We sit glued to the TV set all night And every night Why go into the outside world at all? It's such a fright We got nothing better to do Than watch TV and have a couple of... Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 192. On this episode, we've got a couple of news items, and then we'll be uh, previewing the Fox Fall 2013 TV schedule. And then uh, talking about a couple of shows... Uh, at the end, switched uh, switched at birth and uh, under the dome. Uh, plus, we've got some TV on DVD picks. Uh, you can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 192. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Hi, I'm Amy Amitangelo. Um, I have the blog tvgal.com, and I also freelance for Pace Magazine and Emmy Magazine and some other places. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, I'm Danielle Terciano from Made Possible by Pop Culture and LA Examiner. Thank you both for uh, coming on and joining me for the Fox preview. Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, but before we get to that, there's a couple of uh, uh, news items. Lifetime has uh, renewed Devious Maids for a second season. Have either of you been watching uh, Devious Maids? You know, I watched like the first two. I watched the first two episodes. And I was like, oh, it's just Desperate Housewives. Okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, it's, it was the first two exact. Were almost. The exact same show, like the exact same plot points, the exact same notes, the exact same character arc, character archetypes. But so I just decided I would tag out. But um, yeah, so I bet, you know, it's been a huge hit for Lifetime, which has kind of surprised me. Yeah, yeah, it's done. It's done really well. I, I liked it partially because it was very familiar to the <laughs> to the first season of Desperate Housewives right, before right. everything got just completely uh, it, it felt very similar to what I liked about the first season. Uh, but I have a feeling that subsequent seasons will start to feel just like Desperate Housewives, where it feels really contrived to keep trying to do some sort of mystery every every year or something. Well, I think it's a hard uh, setup to kind of sustain over many, many seasons. But we'll see how they do. Like, we'll see. You know? <laughs> but it's been, a really huge, it's been a huge hit for Lifetime. And I think, you know, it's... I think it's great to see that many, you know, it's great to have a series of stars, that many Latina actresses headlining a series. I just wish it were a better series. Yeah, I, I felt it was a little too campy for me. And I mean, that's what Desperate Housewives was. And I was OK with it within reason. But even Desperate Housewives, I gave up on pretty early in. So when I saw this one was kind of all the same beats just years later and with a different cast. I just really didn't think it was for me. Well, it's funny because I actually watched Desperate Housewives to the very, very, very end of the series finale. And I thought maybe that's why I couldn't do Devious Maids because I'd already, I'd been there, done that, but it seems to not matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, uh, the other thing is uh, TNT has renewed uh, major crimes for a third season, uh, perception for a third season and Rizzolian Isles for a fifth season. And then just today, there was that terrible news that one of the stars of Rizzoli and Isles committed suicide. Yeah, Lee Thompson Young. It's so sad. It just you know because he's he's a famous Jet Jackson. I you really thought he was someone who would come out on the other side of being a teen star and having uh, fame at an early age. It's just really sad. It just shows you don't know what people are privately struggling with. It's a. I, I was just kind of. I was just devastating to hear that news. Really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good point. Yeah, definitely a, a sort of, I mean, some of these things come out of, you know, they all seem to come out of the blue, but some of these are just like, you never heard anything 
this guy never had any problems. You never heard about him other than, you know, whatever show he was working on. Right. He wasn't on TMZ. He wasn't, you know, going to rehab. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, like when you're not causing so many problems that you're in the headlines, people have no idea. You know, I mean, I, I went to college with him and he actually was, he seems like he was always a very smart and together guy. Like, you, you know, back then there was, no indication that he had he was struggling with anything obviously things changed over the years and who knows what was really going on but it's just interesting how you know we all say it's such a shock and it totally is because he's so young but it's also a shock because we've come to expect certain behavior from from certain celebrities because they're constantly in the news Mm -hmm. but almost the people who are in the news all the time for their problems are the ones getting the wake-up calls, whereas people who are able to fly under the radar and are struggling silently are the ones that suffer the most because no one is there to reach out and say, we know you need help. Let us try to help you. And I also just think like mental health in general is such a, a tab- it remains such a taboo topic. And if you're struggling with something and you maybe he suffered, we don't know, right? We're speculating, but it seems if you if you take your own life, right? Like it's you're suffering some 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 sort of mental, you're struggling with some mental health issues, and it just you just I hope you know you would be great to kind of see something positive come out of this of people being aware, like if I need help, I should reach out for it, or you know that kind of thing. Because I you know just from what the brief comments I've read from his co-stars, it seems like people didn't even realize realize he was even struggling. So right. I'm sure more will come out since we're just talking is we're talking about so soon after it happened, but just, and just really sad. And just, you just wish that, um, it just, just shows you just never know what's going on with people privately. Yeah. Right. And the, the other thing being that as a TV viewer and him not being in, you know, the news for other things and stuff like that, your main association with him is a lot of very happy and fun characters, mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it, that's your association with him. And and then something like this happens. It's it's definitely a, a a sad day there. Yeah, and I think you know being a kid star is really tough, and you just see so many people really not come out on the other side of it in a good way. So you know, and who knows that that might have nothing to do with what happened to him. But you know, just being famous young is hard. Being famous older is hard. It's just hard, you know. Or just you know, I think the business is hard. So it's just really tough. Okay, well we'll move on, uh, and hopefully uh, with a little more upbeat (laughs) and we'll jump into our uh, uh, Fox uh, fall preview for uh, uh, 2013 we'll uh, go over uh, each day and we'll stop and then talk about the shows for that day and then move on to the next day and then uh, a little sort of talk a little bit overall of what we think of Fox's uh, uh, almost yanked my mic off 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 the stand here We'll start with uh, Sunday. Fox has you know football and their uh, their overtime shows and stuff like that running into uh, that first that early uh, primetime hour on Sundays, and then they'll have The Simpsons, uh, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, and American Dad uh, all starting up on September 29th. I I haven't watched. I occasionally watch The Simpsons, but I haven't. I very seldom ever watch any of the animation block. How about you, Amy? You know, I don't, but it's one that seems to be extremely successful for them. I don't think this is a block that hasn't changed in quite a while. At least The Simpsons in that 8 o'clock time slot and Family Guy in the 9 o'clock. That's been pretty consistent for years now. So I think it's totally under that if it's not broke, don't fix it kind of <laughs> mentality for Fox. It's done really well for them. And I think it does really well for them against other shows 
on Sunday night. So it's because it's a nice alternative to say like The Good Wife, or you know, uh, I don't think there's probably a lot of cross um, people watching The Good Wife and people watching The Simpsons or you know Family Guy. So it's a good it's a good counter programming too for them, I think too. How about you, Danielle? Yeah, you know, I um, used to watch The Simpsons all the time, and then it just became I felt so repetitive um, that I kind of just gave up because they they have a lot of great commentary on you know pop culture what's going on in the moment but at the same time it's the same show the characters don't evolve you know it's been decades now (laughs) and Sunday, sunday night is just such a competitive night that i just said you know what if i don't really love you i don't have time for you unfortunately so yeah, I mean, I, I gave up with The Simpsons, and to be honest, I never really got into Family Guy. I know that that's almost sacrilegious to say in our business, but um, I just, Seth MacFarlane's humor is not my humor, so I would much rather watch things like The Good Wife. Well, as Amy might say, it would be uh, rated, it's not rated not for Daniel. I was just thinking that. It's rated not for Daniel. <laughs> We're going to get into a lot of that today, I'm sure. <laughs> No, so it's rated not for Amy. I mean, I mean, I can watch Family Guys and snippets and and appreciate the humor, but it's definitely not necessarily my type of humor. Yeah, I I don't know. Family Guy has always been that show that where I get the joke, and sometimes I even laugh at the joke, but I feel bad about laughing about the joke. <laughs> I don't want to feel bad <laughs> like yeah. about about some of that stuff. So I, yeah, it's never been a, a, a show for me. Uh, but I think that's enough about Sunday. We'll move on to uh, Monday nights. Uh, Fox is going to start out with uh, Bones, uh, followed by new show Sleepy Hollow, uh, starting up on September 16th. And then late in the fall, uh, almost new show Almost Human is going to take over, is scheduled to take over for where Bones starts uh, to start the night out. And Sleepy Hollow is going to uh, have encores on Friday night through the end of September. So, uh, or actually through, yeah, for like the first few weeks or whatever. So we'll start off with either of you watch Bones. I do not. You know, I used to, I watched it for a long time. I think I, I stopped a couple of seasons ago and I think it was, you know, there's shows that I actively break up with and I make a decision like I'm not watching anymore. I've had it. I'm just walking away. And then there's shows that just, I don't even know how I stopped watching them. Like it kind of, <laughs> it just like, it just kind of all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, that's right. I'm not watching bones anymore. And I think that's what kind of happened with bones. I just, uh, I, I think when she was pregnant, it was the last time I watched. So it's probably been a couple of seasons now, but you know, that's another show that just has done, continues to do well and they can just kind of move it anywhere around the schedule and people follow it you know because it's not i mean it's i think it's aired on every night except saturday like it airs it's been all over the fox schedule yeah and and at present we'll we'll be talking about it again on fridays you know since that's where it's going to move and i think they're gonna they've been hinting that bones and booth are gonna get married this season so i'm sure that will get people uh you know you know it's interesting how much their relationship has evolved over this the course of the show i just don't know how much you know more we can get out of bones at this point you know but but the fans of the show would probably differ from my opinion because i just i think i stopped watching just because it was so repetitive and you know really was one of those moments where all of a sudden i was like oh right i don't watch bones anymore that's weird you know but it wasn't like i actively decided not to watch it yeah it's, it's it was one of those i've i think it, it's it, it's one of those shows where i start watching it like like this year it's going to start a little early so i'll probably watch you know watch it but then as the season goes on and there's more and more stuff, it tends to fall to the bottom 
of the list and right. pretty soon you're not catching you know you're not catching up with it and you're just I think that's what happened to me last season and pretty soon I was like I don't have time to catch up with eight episodes of Bones. But <laughs> like, right, right. also, you wouldn't actually probably miss that much. I mean, that's the other thing. Yeah. You know, like, you could probably watch one and be like, oh, okay, I'm caught up. You know, you know I think I said, God, I'm, I'm, I think I put down the wrong date for Almost Human. I think it's this might be the seventh that it's that it starts up. Uh, I put down the fourth, but that's actually the Friday night when Bones moves. So right. I think it's the next Monday where, uh, Almost human starts back up. So, uh, what did it? What do you think of uh, almost human, Danielle? All right. So here's the thing. I have to preface this by saying that it was. It's one of those pilots that I should love. Like I feel like it's extremely well written, well produced, well acted. All of the elements are there. If you loved Fringe, especially, I mean the Joel stamp is all over it. But just very, you know, there's a lot of the very early Fringe. Um, seating of this is going to be important later, but we're not quite getting to it yet moments. Um, But all that being said, I really just don't like the premise just on a personal level of having, of the fact that we, we created these robots and the first incarnation of them, we gave them humanity. We gave them the ability to feel in a weird robot way. I just feel like if we didn't have the foresight to know that was a bad idea, (laughs) We have bigger problems on our hands. And, you know, so I like I had I struggled with with the pilot with getting over that just initial personal issue with it. Um, And to be fair, I haven't seen the new version of the pilot. They did uh, recut some of the things from what they sent us at Upfront. So I don't and the premise obviously hasn't changed. I don't know if I'll feel differently based on the way maybe some things unfold. Um, I, I want to like it as much as I like Fringe, but I look at Fringe and I say, you know what? It took a really long time for me to love Fringe the way that I did. It took the first season where when they finally broke away from the procedural and the case of the weeks and they really started to deliver on this is what's going on outside of the, sm- of the small details, the big picture stuff. So if they can do that and they can do that faster, um, I think I'll really – come around and and be able to overlook some of the the little things that I personally don't like in order to say yes I want to watch this week after week year after year. Um I do think it's a show that absolutely deserves a shot and I hope that that they are moving quickly enough because you know we all know that Fox doesn't have a great track record when well, it comes a trigger to finger. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I mean granted look they they were great with Fringe. They let it build an audience and then yes, they let it dangle and it was always it always seems like it was a late pickup during Upfront's time, but at the same time it had five years. It had they were able to complete the arc, they knew the end was coming, etc. Um and I don't want to get too far ahead of things. This is really just the early stage, you know, the pilot stage and early days of the show. But there's so many elements in the show that I feel like are are things that take what Fringe did a step further, especially the commentary that they're offering on technology and the way we integrate it and what that does to us as a society and as humans. Um, that I find fascinating. And if they're able to do that 
uh, more, I guess, in the next coming episodes, rather than focusing on the we have to hunt down this bad guy and you do it your way because you're a robot and I do it my way because I'm a human, then I'll then I'll be totally in. Right now, I'm a little on the fence. How about you, Amy? You know, I I think it just didn't grab me, and maybe it didn't grab me for what you're talking about, Danielle. I just I watched it and I was like, oh, I can appreciate that this is an interesting premise they're trying to set up, but there was something about it where I just didn't connect to what was happening mm-hmm. on the screen. And I really like Michael Ealy, and he has the most beautiful eyes ever on television. He says I really like him. I like him as an actor. I've always kind of think he's a compelling uh, screen presence. Like I thought he was great when he was on The Good Wife, but um, I just that, something about I watched it. Twice, you know, the first time I think I watched, it, I fell asleep because I have a three-year-old. So often when I sit down to watch something late at night, like I get through halfway, I'm like, oh, I'm asleep. So I, so I, you know, but then I, you know, that's always just usually those the ones I fall asleep on that are the ones that aren't grabbing me. And so I, I watched it. I think, um, you know, I think I watched the whole thing again, you know, from beginning to end. I just there's something about that was, and even when I was at TCA, I watched parts of it again. And it's just not, it didn't grab me. I, you know, also I don't know if I buy Minka Kelly cop. I think that was part of the yeah. too. Like Minka Kelly detective. I think I had a little issue with too, but um, in general, I think it was just didn't grab me. I mean, I, that's a really good point, though. The casting, I think, is so crucial in a show like this, especially for Michael Ely's character, because to me, that's a really hard thing to do is to turn off some of your innate instincts as a person, not even as an actor, but as a person, because your character doesn't wouldn't know because you're not a human you don't feel things you don't have emotions the way we do and you don't have history because you've been um turned off for the past x amount of years so to me that that role was so crucial to get to get somebody amazing and i i agree i think michael's fantastic i think they did a great job and it's so that saddens me when then you look at some of the other characters and you're kind of like well you're a little boring and i think if they tried to give you more you couldn't handle it so you're always going to be a little boring and it just detracts from some of what makes or what should make it special. Yeah, and I think like Lily Taylor is their boss. Who's You know, there's just something about it. Just there were like the good people in this. I mean, I really like Lily Taylor, yeah. too. And that, that didn't quite work for me either. You know, well, is there, I think there's more to her that we just aren't allowed to know in the pilot. That's, yeah, that's probably true. Like, someone like her, she can handle, like, you can give her complex stuff and right. she can do it. So I have a personal theory that may pan out to be completely incorrect, but I definitely got the the feeling that she was, there was more to her involvement in the whole mystery with um, oh, Carl's right. father, whereas Mika Kelly seems like she's really just there to be, like, the pretty love interest. Right, right, right. She's Minka Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> She's there to be Minka she Kelly, more, right? She had more on Friday Night Lights. She could, she handled it. Like, I'm not, I'm not entirely. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just not entirely confident in that particular character right now. But she's also, you know, not the focus of the show, so maybe it won't even matter as much because if you give if you give those characters too much in the beginning, it takes away from right. the characters that we're supposed to be deeply, deeply invested in. Well, especially in the pilot when they're trying to, and especially on a show like this, they're trying to set so much, so much mythology and stuff up in the pilot. They don't have a lot of time to play on the second, to spend on the secondary characters either in the pilot. Right. Yeah. I think for the most part, the cast is pretty good. Uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of the, the side characters and stuff, but I, I really find some of the, some of the ideas that they can play with in it. Very interesting, you know, within, it does have, a you know, it's you know like a futuristic cop procedural in some respects, but it also while they're tracking something down in this first episode, 
it really has to do with something much bigger. It's like a it's like a piece of something bigger. So it's not like they're just tracking down the random bad guy of the week. And so uh, I'm wondering how much each thing that they're going to be doing will play into this overall, you know, the overall bigger mysteries that they set up uh, Mm -hmm. in this. And, but I really find it, you know, kind of fascinating the idea of playing with, you know, sort of the ideas of humanity, what, what it Mm -hmm. means to be human and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you have a a robot uh, that is, you have these robots, but then you have this other robot that also has extra programming, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, data from next generation with an emotion mm-hmm. chip, you know, type of thing. And so I find that interesting, but also paired with a cop that now that has, you know, because of things that happened in his past, you know, dealing with these, uh, you know, the, the very logic based, you know, oriented robots uh, has, you know, a deep hate for like some of these, some of this technology and stuff like that yet some of the things you find out about him and technology and stuff in the, in the episode, it, you know, make for an interesting interplay between uh, them. I, I think that, you know, even in just the one episode, I think their relationship develops, I think they develop their relationship pretty well. Uh, it doesn't seem, even though you're doing it in a short period of time, it didn't feel like rushed. Like we have to, you know, get these two together or whatever. Uh, and I think there was some interesting things that happened, uh, you know, that he could see that he could work with this one. And, uh, I liked it better the second time I watched it. Uh, I, I still don't think that the one that I watched the second time last night is the recut one. Uh, but, uh, I still, I, there was something about it that I felt like I was missing. I think I missed something along the way or something mm-hmm. uh, in the, the first time I watched it. And so at the end of it, I felt like, what? And then I think this time it, it sort of made more sense. Of it. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of exposition that they're, they're handling in a yeah. short amount in 42 minutes. There's a lot of exposition. And, you know, I think maybe that's part of the reason I didn't connect to it either. Cause it was just a lot to kind of take in while you're also trying to kind of connect with these characters and i do think it's hard to connect with a character that's inherently a robot you know i think that's going to be the trick of michael lee's performance is can we can we start to care about a character like that yeah and some of these shows i think and it's kind of hard to do especially when they're like this one they're doing it later instead of premiering it before you know they have baseball and world series in october and stuff like that they're waiting till later to premiere it so they don't have a you know at least They'll have a, you know, they'll have a break at Christmas time, but they won't have a break in October and a break at Christmas time type of thing for, uh, which really hurts the momentum of a show. But within scheduling things like that, sometimes some of these shows like this with these bigger concepts and bigger ideas, it almost, they feel like they need the bigger, like two hour pilot type of the introduction to it almost sometimes where maybe they don't have to tell you as much stuff you know they can right they can show you more of it and uh you know give you a little bit more to uh you know connect with uh some some of these characters you know maybe they get give you a chance for some of the side to get a little bit more from some of the side characters mm. uh it, it, with, within it but but overall i think there's definitely uh definitely potential there i i'm trying to remember now when Back at the beginning of the summer when we did our sort of early look at the fall, I think Almost Human fell like 
like number six or seven as like my favorite fall series. Hmm. So, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing really that's like, there's not a lot of just like great shows. <laughs> there's a lot of, right. there's like a lot of pretty good shows and some shows with, I think that have potential. And then there's the ones down at the bottom where, you know, most likely they're, they're, they're never going to go anywhere. Uh, or they're just, you know, rated not for me <laughs> type of thing. But, uh, I think it's slim pickings in general this fall. So it's probably why we're talking. I yeah. think if any other season, we might not even spend this much time on almost human. Cause it'd be an average show, but because it's a, yes. this, this fall, I think there's not a lot of great shows that we're like trying to make almost human into a good show yeah. because there's just not, cause there's so many bad ones this season. We're like, come on, almost human. You can do it. You can be a better show. Yeah. But I think on the, the, the level of things, I think it's one of the shows that with the, the things that they're working with and the people behind it that have, you know, that I have sort of higher hopes for of where it could go, you know, what it could become. Right. Type of show. So, uh, but with that, we'll move on to uh, Sleepy Hollow. And Amy, what did you think of Sleepy Hollow? Yeah, this is another one where I just was like, oh, come on. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. It just seems so silly to me. The whole show just seems silly to me. Like, Ichabod Crane, he's realizing from the dead, the cop. I mean, I just, I would, I just did not. I was like not buying what Sleepy Hollow was selling. I think that was my thing. Like I just was like I was like no, I just and I tried twice with that one. I just was not buying. There was something I couldn't quite get into, and it all just seemed like, like just too much, like just too much ridiculousness. Um, you know, the whole idea that like the cop had the past and the history with it. Um, I don't know. What did you guys think? I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into it. I just. I was not buying what they were selling. So the the headless oh, horseman with the machine gun wasn't doing it for you. What? Who? I said the headless horseman with the machine gun oh, wasn't head- doing it for you. Well, okay. So <laughs> here's the thing about that, though. Like that, you you have to suspend a lot of disbelief, obviously, with a show like this. And if you're willing to do that, great. More power to you. I am not, because if anybody saw a guy wandering around without a head, they'd lock themselves up in a <laughs> And so I just, from from the moment when they had him in the interrogation room and he's talking about being from the past and whatever, all I kept saying is there's no reason that the rest of the show should exist because they need to just lock this guy in a crazy ward and call it a day. And the characters, I didn't feel all earned the actual belief. Like, yeah, there's a there's something to be said for I see something and I can't deny it. And then there's something to be said for our brains try to convince us that what we're seeing isn't what we're seeing because what we're seeing is implausible. I don't know. I, I totally agree with you, Amy. I just thought it was too silly and too much. And I I just don't personally care about any of the characters or their relationships or if I ever see any of them again, like there's this, there's this whole discussion about Ichabod really just wanting to connect back with his wife and find his wife. And is she dead or is she trapped somewhere and whatever? I don't care. And if he like, if his way of finding her is to go back to her dimension and the show ends, that's cool with me. I'm just, I don't know. I, I'm not into it at all. And I kind of, again, I kind of wish I was just like you guys were saying about how there's really not a whole lot this season. So we're (laughs) trying, I feel like I am trying to be nicer to some shows because yes, I can see your potential and maybe you don't, I don't connect with you immediately, but if 
we all cancel everything after two episodes. There's nothing to watch. So I'm tr- I tried to like this one more, and I just don't. Well, this is the it, the interesting thing about this show is I like shows where they try and add in real history, you know, play with like real history, and then this, you know, and then this other story, and they're you know they're hooking it into back in the days of George Washington and and stuff and. And then some of the stuff around it, it all seems interesting, but it also just almost seemed like they were playing it so straight that it seemed really silly. Yeah. It wasn't and, – and you can correct me if I'm wrong because it's been a while since I've seen the pilot. But wasn't there a scene where he admits to beheading the Headless Horseman and they then the next shot is they give him a polygraph? Like, wouldn't you be carting someone off to a psych eval, not a polygraph? Like, I don't know. I just, I felt like we were trying to adhere too much to certain cop uh, procedural formulas when if you're going to go big with this, yes, the history, but also this urban legend and and this idea of time travel and all these other elements, you, you can't adhere to a form, you can't you have to throw the formulas out the window and just do what you're going to do and own it. And I don't really feel like they were strong enough in owning what they were doing. I felt like they were trying to soften it to a, to try to attack, attract all of the audiences. But to me, that just kind of makes it too soft and it's not going to attract any of the audiences. Yeah. The other thing is it almost plays like, you know, he's from the past. He dropped in. He's now wakes up in the future which yeah. is now, and he doesn't seem to be weirded out enough by things that he's True. seen, totally. Yeah. I mean, they they give him some lines, like, you know, when she's black and, and she comes in and he's, like, you know, uh, talking about, you know, what he, you know, the last the last black person he had experience with, you know, yeah, was quite true. some time ago. But that, but that scene felt weird, like, you know... And there was, or, and there just didn't seem to be. All of a sudden, too soon into it, you feel like they're already like this team, yeah. And they're tra- they're trying to figure something out, and you're just like, but he shouldn't be, you know, like this, you know, this, uh, I don't know, integrated in this yeah. quickly type of thing. I don't know. That was that was part of it. It was it was definitely the show. But after watching it, I, I mean, I didn't hate it, you know, I didn't not like it, but I didn't like it. It was, it was just this, it was the one show where I was just like, I don't know. I just, I just don't know. Well, that's the thing though. Like if you didn't hate it, then that probably means you'll give it another episode to decide whether or not it's something you want to watch. Whereas I kind of, I don't want to see any more from it. I kind of already know I'm not interested. So I think at least what it has going for it is that more people who don't have to cover 70 hours of TV a week will be like <laughs> you. And they'll say, I'm not sure there's something here that's intriguing. It's definitely different. And I really do commend them for that because I would much rather see them take a risk on something that's a little bit weird than give me the same old stuff all the time. But um, personally, I just don't – it's not for me. And, they're, and they're, they're, honestly, some of it too is what's come out since the pilot about where they want to take the story. And I'm kind of – and one of the main things that they said at TCA was how the Headless Horseman at some point will get his head back. And I was like, I'm out. Like honestly, <laughs> I don't want to know how or why or you know how you'll justify that or whatever. But I just – that's 
I, 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 I'm fine if you're going to tweak history for your own story or tweak legends for your own story if it's if there's a reason. But that, to me, I just thought – I was like, that's not the point. The point is that he's a headless horseman. He's a symbol of death and and the scariest – what's scarier than, a, than still living without your head? I don't know. I'm just – no. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, I, it, it definitely is one of those that I'm interested to see – what type of uh, reception it gets. Yeah. Amy, are you back? I I keep coming in and out. You guys keep fading uh, in and out on me. Like I hear words and bits and pieces. I, I know we have not given Sleepy Hollow a rave review that I got. <laughs> you keep coming in and out on me. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, for the for the most part, you, you, you clicked off there a couple times where... I, I didn't mean to. I just keep getting disconnected. I yeah, don't know what, it, yeah, what's keeps, happening. Yeah, I'm not sure why it keeps dropping the call where the bad connection is, but uh, we'll keep trying here. And, I mean, uh, my internet connection says I'm fine. I have a strong connection, so I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, who knows? Somewhere out there in the middle <laughs> between Boston and Seattle, there's <laughs> there's a gremlin that's causing problems. Okay, we'll move on to Tuesday. And all comedies again this year, but... Uh, this time they're going a little bit uh, sort of guy-centered shows followed by uh, women-centered shows. And uh, we have, uh, starting off with uh, Dads and New Shows Dads and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And then that'll be followed by New Girl and The Return of the Mindy Project, all starting up on September 17th. And we lost Amy again. <laughs> Uh-oh. Maybe it's because she's so outraged by dad. She's <laughs> yeah. I would not blame her if that was true. All right. Well, well we'll start with you, Danielle. <laughs> what do you think Wait, about I, dads? We don't have to start with dads if you want to start with something else. I'm no, not just, to... just go with dads and then Brooklyn Nine-Nine and then we'll uh, move on. I mean, look, I'll be really honest with you. Like, I, I don't want to give dads personally too much time because I feel like it's the kind of thing that – we as journalists call, draw a lot more attention to than it's than it deserves. We point out like everything that's wrong with it, which yeah, there's a lot wrong with it. But by doing that, we're giving we're, we're opening it up to more people to even say, hey, what is that? Than would normally happen. And I would like to just pretend that it doesn't exist so it can go away <laughs> immediately. Um, my short review of the show is basically it's to me, it feels like it's all in the family. If all in the family didn't know Archie Bunker was a bigot and didn't want you to laugh at him. They're, they're basically asking you to laugh with the racist jokes and with the offensive humor. And that to me, isn't funny. It's not forward thinking. It's not clever. And it feels like something that maybe could have been, should be on, should have been on in the eighties, maybe, but it definitely doesn't belong on air now. And I'm, personally shocked by the amount of talented actors that signed up to the show with that pilot script. I don't really care where it goes from that pilot script, but what they shot and what Fox bought, I cannot believe. So I was very, I was just hands down. I said it was the worst of the season and the worst since work it, I think. It wasn't very good. Just sort of on the, on the face of it, it, you know, it felt like, uh, um, I'm totally blanking on it, but there's the there's a show on TBS with a bunch of guys working at you know a Men magazine or something. Yeah, minute work, that, or whatever. That's not offensive. Well, it's just but a it felt like old. yeah, it felt like that if you added their fathers and some right. racist humor. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like it, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it felt sort of 
I don't know. I guess they're following the two broke girls model or something. Uh, I'm I'm kind of interested to see if if it stays that way. Like if future episodes, ha- you know, have any type of change or something like that, or you know, if uh, I don't know. It just, uh, yeah, it it wasn't very good. Just even the even the non racist jokes, <laughs> like right. like the, the the whole sort of premise wasn't wasn't great. I have to be honest, I, you know, you said you'd be interested to see if it changes and yeah, they are reshooting some of the pilot, but there was a real lack of self-awareness at TCA about the fact that we would even find it racist and offensive. And the general answer seemed to be like, it's funny. Fart jokes are funny. And it, and it, and it, because of that, because of the response, like that's the show they wanted to make. They maybe don't care if people find it offensive. A good deal of America probably will laugh in agreement because a good deal of America is racist. But to me, that's not the kind of show that I want to put out and put, you know, say as part of my brand or is is something that I think is is forward thinking or where we should be heading, you, you know, entertainment or otherwise. So I don't know. I I would not be surprised if, you know, it airs two episodes and then gets pulled. Yeah, it it definitely uh, it definitely could happen. But uh, we'll move on to the next show, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. What did you think of uh, that one? You know, I didn't love the pilot on the first watch, um, but it grew on me a lot. Like I, I felt originally like it was kind of a live action cartoon. Like I kind of felt like Andy Samberg was playing a SNL character. Um, but the second time I watched it. I didn't feel that way as much. And I, I don't know if I adjusted to him or if I just gave into the world a little bit, but I realized that I, I really like the world that they set up. I think there's a really um, complex and interesting set of characters, you know, not unlike Mike Scher's Parks and Recreation in the sense that, you know, it was always about Leslie Nope from the beginning with Parks and Rec and it's about Andy Samberg here, but everybody around those characters are so funny and, and will have such unique takes on things that when we start to play with them more, I think there's going to be some really great stuff in there. So that's one that I wasn't expecting to want to watch week to week, but I now I am. Now I'm like, you know what? It's one of the better, smarter, funnier comedies of the fall, and I don't know. I kind of just, I really like the cast too. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm more inclined to give it a shot because it's got some really great people attached to it. Well, it kind of, it, it sort of reminded me of, it was like a, like if you crossed NYPD blue with Barney Miller, you would end Mm. up, you'd end up with Brooklyn nine, nine because it's not just about like what goes on, you know, back at the police station, they're actually going out on investigations and, 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 and stuff like that. And so I, I I really liked it. I I did too think that it did feel a little bit like he was doing an SNL character at first, but they, mm-hmm. you know, they rounded it out, you know, gave it gave it something more uh where you were just like, yeah, this isn't going to go. Uh you could you could see it continuing on and want to follow, you know, some of these characters. Uh I I really liked it. It I it could have been, you know, one of those where you go in with the, the low expectations and so then it, it, yeah. it, it far exceeds those, but it may not be, you know, it still may not be great, but it, I was you know, I wasn't sure what to, to make of that one uh, going in. How about you, Amy? What do you think of the new comedies for? Well, I'm del- yes, I'm delighted to be back. Um, I, <laughs> I'm talking to you guys. Um, I, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was 
my favorite new show of this season. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I, I mean, I love Andre Brower. And so I thought that it was a great combination of him and Andy Samberg are kind of a great combination because Andre Brower is such a known dramatic actor. And I've always loved everything he's in. And to see him being, you know, the serious guy in this comedy, I thought that combination really worked. That those two together really made for, and you know, I, I'm a huge fan of Terry Crews too. Like Danielle said, I just love the cast a lot too. I think I was kind of predisposed to like it because I have a lot of affection for the cast, but I thought it was really smart and funny. It made me laugh out loud. And you know, you watch, we watch a lot of new comedies, and it's very rare that they'll make me laugh out loud. And this one, I feel like the last time I laughed out loud at a comedy pilot was like Modern Family. Do you know what I mean? So I think this was a really kind of it really grabbed my attention. I thought it was great, Brooklyn Nine Nine. And uh, any, any brief <laughs> comments on dads? I, you know, I just think we don't need to talk about dads. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, like just it was really awful. And, you know, at TCA, they spend so much time talking about the stereotypes, were, which were deeply offensive and awful. But it's just a bad show. It's almost like not even worth talking about how bad the stereotypes were because it's just it's a, it's a stupid, awful, silly show. And I, I, it's, I think it's one of those pilots that's so bad. It's like I hate my teenage daughter. Like you just watch that pilot and you just think there's no way this show can turn itself around. Like we're in too deep and this is too bad. We cannot dig out of this, you know, because sometimes you can watch a show that's mediocre and you know it can turn itself around. But I think dads is it's we're just too far gone to turn ourselves around on dads. And it's too bad because I do like Seth Green a lot and they have some great people on it, but it is not a good show. It's about, I think it was about the worst, one of the worst pilots. Not my most loathed because it just, but just definitely one of the worst. Yeah, it definitely uh, was was at the bottom there. And uh, uh, looking forward to the return of New Girl and uh, Mindy Project. Either one of those, Amy. Yeah, I am. You know, I the thing about the Mindy Project is I just keep waiting for it to be the show I want it to be. You know, I think it's been a lot of <laughs> time so close. last season. <laughs> It's so it's so close and it's trying so hard. But you know, it's been a lot of time last season. There was a little bit of that feeling. It was a different show every time. And I think it's really struggled to the for the tone it wanted to set, for the cast it wanted to have, uh, for the plot lines they wanted to pursue, whether they were going to be in the doctor's office or with her friends, or you know, and how they were going to kind of fit it all together. And I don't know. I don't know if the Mindy Project can get there. I think I think there's a lot of goodwill out there that people keep giving that show a chance, and you know, it certainly gets a lot of accolades from like Entertainment Weekly and stuff. But I, I really, I still think it's a very mediocre show that could be a great show and it has these moments of brilliance and these pockets of brilliance that are really funny and just these moments that are great and so smart and funny um but right now like the you know the, the it doesn't it doesn't make for a great show there's like the the, the parts aren't, aren't as good as the whole show so i mean the parts are better than the whole show rather so i just keep waiting for it to be the show i think it can be and i and i kind of hope that happens this season how about you danielle See, that's the thing. Like, I, I felt that way last year, for sure, during season one, especially, and this is Fox's fault as a network, they aired so much stuff out of order that it was really hard to get a sense of the show's tone and the show's evolution as it was supposed to be happening versus how they were manipulating it with the things airing in weird orders. Um, mm-hmm. And granted, oh my God, they absolutely changed a lot with the cast and with the balance of workplace versus romance um, and Mindy has talked about how, you know, it was it was a process for her, too, because she's only had workplace comedy experience. But um, I personally feel like they did get to the show that I wanted to be by the end of the season. And I think that they saw that, that the show that they got to at the end of the season is the show that it needs to be. So I have pretty high hopes and pretty high confidence that season two is going to come out strong and and keep that pacing and that tone and and that balance too and go strong for however long it's run ends up being 
And I will say that that also is an example of why I wish that Fox or any network really would allow comedy to find its footing, maybe even more so than drama, because it is so subjective. And, you know, a show like Mindy Project, when it was underperforming and changing so often could have been pulled really early last season and they didn't you know whether it was because they wanted to keep Mindy Kaling in their family for whatever reason I'm really glad they didn't because honestly it ended up being one of my favorite comedies by the end of the season do you get I got a little worried when they it became clear like when we were at TCA that it was going to be more about um the office because I thought that's where the show struggled the most I thought it did really shine when it had a kind of her Dating, um, I thought, you know, I loved Tommy Dewey. I loved that character. I liked the character at the end, the um, the minister. I thought those were really, that's when they had some of their smartest moments. And I thought it always kind of struggled with like the office politics. I, I personally had a problem with the fact that I was like, this woman, there's no scenario this woman's actually going to be a doctor that's successful and good at her job. Really? She just didn't come she just didn't come across as a competent doctor. And that I think really bothered me. So I just got a little nervous. It seemed like this season they might go back into being more in the office, which is, I mean, as much as I like Danny and the characters, I just thought that's where the show always struggled. Well, one, I mean, they are, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, you're right. They did say that they were focusing on the office, but I don't think it's focusing necessarily on like the processes and the practices of the office. I think it was more of focusing on the characters that are within there and how they relate to Mm -hmm. each other. And I mean, Danny's ex-wife is still going to be around in um, the beginning half of the season. So clearly, like, they're still dealing with relationship issues, but it's also – but it's it's reflected in a different way. It might be less of seeing them out in a bar and more of seeing how everyone's giving him crap for getting back together with this woman and right. changing his personality. So I, I don't know. I didn't have those problems, though. I didn't, like, disbelieve her as a doctor. Um, I didn't – I, I, there, I don't know. There were there have been a, a lot of things that came out of the office scenes and the office relationships that I've really loved. Um, the midwives, I think, are a great example of that. Like they're just they started out as they could have just been these really weird one note characters, but I think they've evolved that and that relationship specifically really interestingly. Um, and to, I'll be honest, like I don't I like the idea of them going back to the office because it means that we're not going to have to see relationship Mindy we can see single and struggling Mindy. And that was the, always the point of the show. Like if you put a character like that in a relationship too soon, it becomes a completely different show. Yeah, no, I didn't want her in a relationship. I just, I thought some of the notes they hit when she was dating, like when, when they're oh, yeah, in this, yeah. Those I really like. I, I totally agree. I don't think they should put her in a relationship. I just thought there were some things that were so funny. Like the Tommy Dewey character was hilarious. Yeah. Like the job, you, the thing, you know, like- if they get her to be single again, she we can see that. Like we, she can meet people in her office or whatever. I mean, not the gynecologist's office, but <laughs> the building. You know, I mean, there there are you ways, friend. You know, brother of a client or whatever. Like there are ways to integrate to still integrate that. I think. I think. I, I don't know. I mean, I just. I think there were a lot of things that there were there was a lot of room for what they could have done in season one that they didn't have time for because they were still figuring out so many of the core elements. And now that I feel like they have a handle on who everybody is and and they're keeping them around, now it's really just about exploiting those relationships. Kind of how the office did it. Like I mean, I hate to compare it because they are different shows, but 
I mean, when we when we look at the office, like they were they spent most of their time in Dunder Mifflin, but we still got into their relationship stuff and we still mm-hmm. saw them with different uh, girlfriends and boyfriends and, and marriages and babies. And it was really just about how that surrogate family responds when you bring in these new people. Right. I think for me, the thing was the stakes on as high as a paper company as, as much as a gynecologist office. I think there was just no, something about just, you know, but I think like that's, I, I think I, it's almost like I have to tell myself to get over it. Like I just have to accept the premise that she's a good doctor, which I think I just never bought into because sometimes she was so dippy and idiotic. Do you know what I mean? Well, so I was like, this is like, really delivering babies. But, you know, I think I, have, I personally have to get over that hurdle. I think and just like let it go and be like, okay, she's a competent doctor. Well, I think it's also because we haven't really seen her be a confident doctor that much. We don't see her deliver many babies. I mean, one of my personal favorite scenes or episodes really was when she had her neighbor come to her for uh, sex. Well, not sex advice, but it turned into that. And we saw Mindy really like try, try to give this girl good advice. And the girl just didn't want it. And that to me was was a really interesting way to kind of blend her two worlds of like, yeah, Mindy's screwed up in relationships she doesn't really know what she's doing but that doesn't mean she doesn't have wisdom to impart to other people and it doesn't mean she's she can't do something correctly you know and I I think maybe if we start to see that she doesn't struggle at work that may actually help it may it may like help people buy her as a character and and the world a little better I mean I I think there was a good point of last season where she was an anti-heroine and I don't think that's what they were going for yeah, overall, I think uh, – I mean, I like portions of of the show. Sometimes it felt like they would do these just completely outrageous things uh, and mostly from uh, the, the one male nurse character. Oh, yeah. Stuff that just feels like so out of place with like everything else that's going on that you know, I still don't know. But I'm I'm interested to see what lessons they learned from the first season and how they put them into practice in the second season. Yeah, I totally agree. Because there are a lot of interesting characters, and I really like her. I like her delivery of things. I I like her sort of spin and twist on some pop culture stuff. Yeah, uh, I I find her I find her funny. So I I really want you know the rest of the stuff around the show to sort of work. You know. All right. Well, that's enough with the Tuesday, <laughs> and we'll move on to well briefly on Wednesday. Just. Uh, uh, well, uh, Wednesday will be the X Factor starting up on September 11th. Danielle, do you watch X Factor? Yeah, I you know I watched it last season because um, how could you not? And I I don't know if I want to watch it this season. I'm not really a reality show, specifically singing competition uh, show person. But I, I got to be honest, like that's the kind of show that y- you tend to watch for the personalities of the judges more than the talent of whoever's coming through. And I'm just not that interested in the current lineup of judges. Yeah, I I think that first I've, I've never really gotten into the X Factor. I like the idea of how it's different, you know, where they've got groups and, yeah. and various things and stuff. Uh, I like that type of stuff. But I think too many of these shows have become about the, you know, what was good about Idol in the beginning was, yeah, the judges had some personality uh, a little bit, but it, it really was a little bit more about the competition. Yeah. And and later seasons of, like, even American Idol and, and then X Factor, stuff like that, it seems to be about, you know, what judge is feuding with what judge and stuff like that. And you're like, are there singers? Like, is there a competition going on? 
uh, type of thing. And so I've never been, you know, a big fan. I've never, you know, watched a, a lot of these shows anyways, but, you know, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably not going to watch. It doesn't really uh, matter to me. Although it is one of those shows that, you know, it's three out. It is starts out around four hours a week and ends up being three hours a week. Uh, but if you record them, you can watch it. You can watch everything in about forty-five minutes. If you yeah, but it's still a big commitment. Because you're right, though. Like it's regardless of whether you fast forward through most of it or not. Like it's still multiple nights, and it's still a big commitment. So it's definitely something that if I'm going to check it out, I have a tendency to like check out the early auditions because they're just absurd a lot of the times. And then I'll check back in when they're down to, you know, the final six or whatever, when it's like starting to matter to see if anybody jumps out at me as like, wow, you're super talented. I'd actually want to buy your music. And that is very rarely the case of what happens. So I don't know. I just, it's just, they're so quick. These cycles they're on for, it feels like forever, but the minute somebody wins, they're already on to the next cycle. So it's hard to get too attached to people who, may or may not even churn out an album quickly enough for you to keep them around in your memory. Yeah, that's been, well, that's been like a, you know, some of these other shows uh, is, you know, somebody wins and it's how many versions of the voice have they done? And does anybody even know who, you know, uh, who won, you know, who's won any of those previous competitions? I don't know. Uh, Yeah, never been. So it that that's the you know the other thing that's interesting is is that hasn't helped with the uh, you know because the voice is it has the early round thing with the turning around chairs and stuff like that and yeah. the personality of the judges is definitely uh, part of that part of that show uh, but I think that's where that show falters is in later rounds is when you know <laughs> it becomes about the singers and people stop caring because they're watching for the other stuff totally I don't know that's a uh, that's interesting. Well, we've lost Amy again. <laughs> I'm just I'm just going to pretend like every time we lose her, it's because she doesn't like the show we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. And uh, while I'm trying to get her back, we'll move on to uh, Thursdays. And uh, that'll be you know, the second night of The X Factor starting up on uh, September 12th. And then it'll be followed by uh, Glee starting up on September 26th. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been watching Glee? Uh, You know what? I gave up with it a long time ago, and I always check in for, like, the tentpole episodes. I'll watch the premieres. I'll watch the big ones when they send you a screener. I'll watch um, the finale. I'm not sure I can watch it this season. I'm not—I definitely will watch the Corey um, tribute episode, but I'm not sure that I can watch the first two before it. I just feel like it's going to be extremely bizarre with, with— knowing what's coming for the characters, knowing what was happening behind the scenes as they were shooting these two episodes that ultimately I feel should and could have been rescheduled and just moved his thing up so that you get the elephant out of the room. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I really, I'm happy that Ryan Murphy has decided not to make his cause of death drugs. I'll say that. But other than that, I just don't know. It seems like, it just seems like it's going to be a very different season, even more so than it was last year. And last year, obviously, they took them to New York, but with all the new characters they're bringing in, and I don't know. I 
I'm not, I'm not a fan, and I just feel like there's going to be a, a lot of things done this year that may not be done super well. What do you think of the idea of doing a tribute episode to somebody who died of a drug overdose? Well, the thing is, though, like the character, that's what I'm saying. Like Ryan has come out and said the character won't be dying of a drug overdose. Now, it's Ryan Murphy, so he reserves the right to change his mind. But um, I like the idea of if you're going to kill the character on the show... Yeah, they have to do that. They have to have these characters mourn their friend and their boyfriend and, um, you know, everything that Finn Hudson was to everybody. You know, they have to process that. I think there's a good potential for seeing these characters grieve that they could have had last year when they did the school shooting episode, except... That came out of left field and no and nowhere, and it ended up feeling a lot more exploitational than it than it felt about grief or about fear or about anything. Um, and I think here is a really good opportunity to. I mean, yeah, you're letting the actors work some stuff out, but I think also, I mean, that character is it has he has to be killed off because he can never come back on the show. They're not going to recast him. And he was so important, especially in this last season, stepping up and becoming a teacher to these underclassmen. So, I mean, I feel like you need that. I feel like you need that for the characters. I don't know how I feel about the word tribute. Um, I haven't seen the episode, so I don't even know if that's really an accurate word. It's just yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, I've heard that. It's, a, a, it's the word a, we're all using because that's what it's been in the past. Like, But in the past, when it's been a tribute episode, it's been because they're taking the music of Madonna or of Britney Spears and they're paying tribute to the artist by reimagining their work. They're not doing that here because Corey didn't have – a. I mean he did have original music, but that's not what they're doing. So I don't know if tribute's really going to end up being the right word. When, when people watch it, they can weigh in on that. But, um, I mean, I think it's absolutely necessary that you deal with the death of the character um, and I, and what it will then do to these characters who loved him so much and especially someone like Rachel who he was endgame for her. So um, I, I think that's what will be the most interesting about it is just what then happens to these people after. Is it going to be the next episode they've all moved on or are we going to see – things crop up and people have trouble dealing with it. And, you know, I, I thought there would have been a great opportunity when his character came back from war to have a post-traumatic stress storyline and they never wove that in. So who knows? It may be like a one and done thing because it may end up being too painful for the behind the scenes people to keep mentioning him and keeping him alive. I don't know. How about you, Amy? Yes, I'm here. I'm back finally. I don't know. I'm having very hard uh, technology problems today. Um, you know, I assume we're talking about Corey Monteith um, and Glee. I kind of had the idea. I kind of wish that they would actually have an episode that was out of character where everyone just talked about him and sang songs, you know, maybe in tribute to him. And they actually just did a kind of like break the down the wall um, and talk to the camera about Corey episode. I was kind of hoping for that because I just I feel like personally, this is one of those situations where the real life dovetailing with the this 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 show i'm concerned like danielle says about how it could work and i i also kind of feel like in a lot of ways glee is kind of ill-equipped to deal with this heavy a storyline even though it's dealt with really heavy things it is i, I just well. I, I, 
I'm just a little nervous about how they're going to handle this. And I do think you're right, Danielle, like, right. It has to, it can't just be that he's, he's killed off and then we all move on by the next episode because that's not how the world works. That's not how life works. When you grieve for someone, you grieve for a while and it kind of permeates, um, you know, your life for, you know, forever and certainly in the immediate future. And I just don't know, can the show do that? Will they do that? Are they going to want to kind of quickly move on? Will that, would that kind of grief fit with the structure of the show and what the, how the show is in general and kind of the overall kind of upbeat nature of the show, even though it's about, you know, people who are outcasts in high school and things like that originally, it still has an overall upbeat tone. And I just think Glee was struggling so creatively last year anyway. It was just really kind of all over the place. Like you talked about the school shooting episode. It was just everywhere. And just, you know, like when they had the, everyone came back from the wedding and then they had, um, uh, Santana and Quinn hook up. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what is going on with this show? So I kind of think they were just kind of grasping at straws all over the place. Uh, so I just don't know how they're going to do it. And I think it is going to be very hard to see someone like, like Leah Michelle, who is personally grieving, have to act out that grief on camera in a fictional way. I, I you know, I'm, I just, I'm, I, I don't even know how to feel about what they're going to try to do. I'm sure they don't know how to feel about what they're going to try to do. Yeah, it's a it's it's a super strange situation to have to you know to deal with, especially you know in a in a TV show where he's an integral part of the well, but know, it's of not. the show. When you think about, it, I mean, like well, they where, said on Eight Simple Rules when John Ritter died. I mean, it was a, it was a very different situation, obviously, yeah. because um, it's a sitcom, and I think I think it was I, I feel like it was almost should have been harder for them because they were a sitcom not used to having to do serious storylines whereas glee has dabbled granted i don't think they've dabbled well but well i think you definitely have to handle that character because of the history of the character and that he was still on the show uh even though you know maybe to a lesser extent i don't know i haven't been uh you know watching the show for a while um i just have i just feel you, you know you mentioned eight simple rules that had a very interesting episode where they dealt with you know the the loss because it was you know, it was unexpected. This was, uh, you know, but I have this weird feeling about the idea of doing an episode that somehow celebrates somebody that died of a drug overdose. That's just, I don't know. I have but that's a, what I'm saying. They're celebrating the character. Yeah, that's character. what that's where I'm interested to see how I'm actually kind of interested to see how they play it out. It, it's, uh, well, and I think like the flip side of this, right, is that Glee does have a very uh, young audience. And I do think this is an opportunity that they could speak to that young audience and say, you know, th- this is no joke. You know what I mean? This, well, but this they're is not. someone who. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I th- but they didn't they say that they would did, it would they would deal with directly the circumstances surrounding Corey's death. Or no, no. Since, since then, the Kevin Riley said that, and I think he, he right. spoke out of turn because since then, Ryan Murphy has said that Finn Hudson is not dying of a drug overdose. So what I'm saying is if they're tri- if they're paying tribute to Finn Hudson on the show, they're not paying tribute to someone who has died of a drug overdose. Yes, there's the meta aspect that Corey Monteith is also effectively being paid tribute to, and he did die of a drug overdose, but A... The show, the the only crossing, the, uh, I'm sorry, the only breaking down the wall that they're really doing is with the separate PSAs that will run as commercials, I believe, but as I, commercials. But I feel uh, like that could still speak to the audience too, right? Having right, PSAs. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like those, but I, I do feel like if the character, if they had, if they had seeded Corey's real life struggles earlier, I think it could have been a fascinating story. 
regardless of how it ended or not, you know, I mean, they knew he was struggling. They knew he had problems. His character went to war. They could have had his character come back struggling with PTSD, dabbling in drugs. It could have been a teachable moment this whole time if they wanted it to be. They didn't want it to be. So I don't think for now it to become that right be a positive or organic or even interesting way to do it, which is why I'm glad Ryan has said that's not what they're doing. No, right. No, I was more talking but, about the, yeah, yeah. Right. No, and, and you're right. Kevin Riley did say that at TCA, but since then, he's been retracted. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> but, also, but, also, but, if, but I would even say by just given the nature of the audience that Glee has, just these circumstances yeah, on cool. the PSA, that will be, you know, I think, but I do, I mean, there was part of me that just kind of wished, and I, I agree with you that they can't, they have to kind of kill him off because he was such an integral part of the show. But there's part of me that just wished they would have him move to California and oh. like we could, in fictional Finn Hudson could live yeah. on because I do think it, it is just to me, I think there's an awkwardness of them having to deal with his death that to me did not exist in Eight Simple Rules or things like that because this is someone much younger dying in a much more kind of, uh, I don't know if tra- I don't want to value thing, but like it's a very tragic and sad circumstance about around yeah. surrounding his death. Not that like John Ritter's death was equally tragic and sad, but like in a very different way. Different, absolutely. Yeah. So I just I wonder, like to me, there's something about just the the idea of them dealing. That I'm just uh, I'm very uncomfortable with it because I do think it's going to be hard for me to watch people who I know are grieving in real life grieve in a fictional way. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I almost wonder if them acting through it is a cathartic moment for them. I, yeah, I hope so, because, I mean, I hope I don't want them to suffer more for my entertainment. Do you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, no, I don't feel like they would have done it this way if, you know, I, I do I do believe Kevin Riley when he said that Leah was the one that said, I want to get back to work and I want right. to deal with this, you know. So right. I, I do believe that. And, like, I, I think that if you believe that, then you have to say any one of these actors could have stood up and said, I won't take part in this. It's too it's too soon. And I right. think they would have said okay because a yeah. you're open to a lawsuit if you otherwise you say anything else. But b I think they all it does seem like they're they are treating this um, not with kid gloves, but it does seem like they are putting an aura around it, you know, and kind of saying right. let's celebrate what he was and what he was to us. And if it's going to be painful, I don't think they would be doing that. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know what it's really like on that set and. You know, I I just think too maybe they don't even know, right? Like they made the decision so soon after it happened yeah, that they I might do. not even know how they're going to feel. And you might you could in theory think like, "Oh, it's going to be fine. We can go in and do this show." And then an execution might be very painful for them and they like they don't probably in that kind of grief don't even know. It's just it's a very tough situation. I don't even know if there's a right way to handle it. There probably isn't any right way. There's no right way to handle grief. Do you know what no, I mean? No, not at all. So, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, you just, you do it and you hope that what you've done is respectful. Right. And that in the end, it doesn't cause more problems for people, but you yeah. won't know that. So, I mean, I don't know. It's an interesting, Jason, it's interesting when you said, you know, pay, uh, doing a tribute to someone who died of a drug overdose, because I think about it and I'm like, and we, you know, this business does that all the time. Like whether it's an on-air episode or not, like look at all of the... Hollywood stars who have effectively taken their own lives because they've not, they haven't been able to overcome addiction and it's not really their fault if you believe it's a disease but at the same time it is they are still celebrated with and often you know the celebration overshadows the maybe we could have helped them or maybe we should have tried harder or whatever. And so that's where I think the things like the PSAs, if they're doing them and if they're going to run them online and, and, you know, even Corey's family setting up um, funds and things like that. So fans can donate and get educated. Like that's where I think that it, it comes, 
that stuff needs to come in. And this is a show where the fans are so rabid about finding mm-hmm. out information about their favorite stars. This is the platform for that. Like they didn't know how badly he was suffering because he was right. really good at keeping it to himself. And that's a problem because that's what addiction is. You're when you're in the disease, you're either you're lying to people, you're hiding things. Even those who do know can't always get through to you. And that's, right. that's where that comes in now is, well, you love Corey so much. Make sure that someone in your own life, if they're suffering like him, you reach out and you try to help. So we'll see. I mean, again, that's not something that's quantifiable by the episode. It's, it's what happens after. Yeah, it's just a... Yeah, it's a, it's yeah, definitely you know addiction, uh, hard to overcome you know uh, disease, yeah, as a self-inflicted one. Uh, you you at some point in time made the choice to take something. Uh, yeah, but then what happens when you can't stop? Well, that's the thing. That's where it comes. But you still made the choice to, at at the beginning uh, to take something that ultimately sure. you can't can't stop taking. Uh, so I don't know. It's just a weird thing and this podcast has gone into some weird territory today we've talked about a lot of death to begin with and and now summer you guys it's a let's i think we'll move on to uh to friday and and uh, fridays will have uh uh, that's completely bizarre transition just need to stop i guess just a a junior master chef yes starting on uh september 27th and that'll be followed by uh, encores of Sleepy Hollow, and then as of uh, November fourth, uh, Bones will take over uh, is scheduled to take over that time slot, and will be followed by episodes of Raising Hope and New Show Enlisted. So, uh, Danielle, you seem to be happy about uh, I Junior really Master love- Chef. I watch everything that Gordon Ramsay does. I really love him. I just am so fascinated by this empire that he has created, and. I love the concept of MasterChef. I've said for a long time, I think, like, if you if you encourage kids' creativity, no matter if it's in the kitchen or if it's in writing or if it's in, you know, sports, whatever, like, just encourage that. And it may not be what they end up doing professionally, but it gives them an outlet and it gives them something to make them a better, well-rounded human being. Um, and I'm just so fascinated because watching the sizzle reel and listening to some of these kids talk at TCA, they have better palates than some adults. I know they're making complicated dishes that I could never make. Like they are, they don't seem like they're just kids messing around in a kitchen. Like they all have passion. They all have talent. And I'm super fascinated by not only what they can do, but how we'll see them relate to some of the judges that are huge in the culinary world and who also will be relating to them differently than they would be an adult contestant because they're still children and you still, you know, you don't want to make a kid cry. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited for this show. Like I can't even tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, um, I sometimes have issues with like, Oh, do we really need to have kids as reality stars? And I get a little like uncomfortable with that in general. Cause I just think it's, you know, TV is not the real world and putting young kids who are, they're not, I mean, they, you can say they're making the decision to be on TV, but they still have parents who are ultimately making the decision. Yeah. But this, but this one did not bother me that way. Cause this one looked really fun 
and look like right. I think like you agree with you like having them cook you know and you know I believe Gordon Ramsay when he says he's not going to yell at the kids and call them bad names so I think it could be really fun and those kids at TCA were so adorable yeah. and just like I agree like and they really had a great sense of understanding of things and it kind of gave me hope that eventually my daughter will make me dinner and it'll be like awesome like so <laughs> I, I really I do I agree this could be a really fun one and I was a little nervous when I first kind of heard about it because I do but I thought this one looks really fun yeah yeah I've never really watched much of the 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 Master Chef uh, or any of the Gordon Ramsay shows for for that matter. I don't know. I don't know why I watch some of the Food Network competition shows, uh, but I don't end up watching some of the competition shows, you know, on other networks. And I don't know why that is because they're all roughly the same and they're all built around food, which I like. <laughs> and I, I like I like watching things, you know, interesting dishes and things be created. So, uh, but it it sounds interesting. Uh, definitely with the, you know, when you think of Master Chef, you think of Gordon Ramsay yelling at people. <laughs> so to have kids, it definitely uh, sounds interesting just on that note alone. Mm-hmm. But with that, uh, I'm looking forward to Racing Hope returning. I, I always, I've always enjoyed that I show love since that the beginning. Show. I love it. Uh, it, I love it because it's just as weird as it wants to be. It doesn't yeah. try. I think it's kind of just like settled into like we are going to be our own quirky, weird out there show. And that's just who we are. And I love that. I love that show. Yeah, I've always felt that it's it's like an an old like TGIF show, but like super like a super strange twisted version of it. Right. Right. Because <laughs> they have they have sort of, you know, they kind of learn a lesson each week, you know, type of thing, you know, like on a lot of those uh, old sitcoms like that. And uh, it just but the sense of humor, I it, it's definitely rated for me. <laughs> yeah, me this too. Is, this is highly rated for Jason, and uh, <laughs> and then with that, I really liked Enlisted. I thought it was funny. I really liked it too. How about you, Danielle? I I will say that I mean I love I love raising hope. I'm I'm a little concerned with Greg being gone and it so being Greg's baby and from his mind. Yeah. I'm a little unsure of what it's going to look like. Yeah. Um, but I will, at least their new showrunner has been with the show. So, you know, hopefully it won't stray too far from the tone. Um, when it comes to Enlisted, it's one of those shows that I want to like more than I do, but that I think that it'll get there. It like, as we were talking earlier about Mindy Project, some of my favorite comedies today are ones where I only thought the pilot was okay. Um, and this is one of those situations. I felt like there were, you, you have to introduce the world and, and the crazy characters and, some of those crazy characters seemed a little too big for me, like a little too sitcom broad. And I think that's just the nature of there's not time to really flesh everybody out right now. And as long as they start to do that in the next couple episodes, I think it'll be fine. Um, I love the brothers and I love their relationship. And I would watch a show just about the three of them without all the craziness around them. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, they're, I just think that they're, they really sell it. Um, and I have to be honest, like, I don't know a whole lot about the military lifestyle and I'm, I'm not, I've never been someone who like really wanted to research that and figure that out. And if this is going to be a show that maybe takes some liberties, but also makes it palatable because it's not the depressing horror stories of wartime all the time, that also actually really interests me. So. Yeah. I like the idea of a comedy based in, you know, a military based comedy. You haven't really had uh, anything like that. I mean, the 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 last thing that's sort of like that would be mash except yeah. that has such a different tone you know yep. it had more serious yet comedy uh vibe to something like mash this really to me harkened back to things like uh McHale's navy 
mm-hmm. or even you know like a, a Gomer Pyle or Sergeant Bilko. Yeah, uh, th- those those types of things, uh, it which are you know from a long <laughs> quite a long time ago for that sort of uh, you know the type of humor and things that they're you know the wackiness and type of stuff that they're going for within uh, the the military setting, and I I really liked it. Yeah, and I agree with Danielle. What you're saying, I don't, I think that you're right. The pilot wasn't like a perfect pilot, and I, but I thought there was so much potential, you know, for to get there like i think you're right like so many of the comedies i now love or even shows i now love i didn't love the pilot but i could see stuff there that it was gonna get better you know and i think that's what's going on with enlisted and I, the, the three stars those three guys i think are all really strong actors and they have a really nice rapport among each other and i so i i really could see that relationship and the relationship between the three brothers really growing too um i think it probably has to worry uh, steer clear of getting too slapsticky that could be a problem for the show but in general i think there's just a lot there that could be very funny. I think Friday night's going to be a tough time slot for it. I don't think people think of watching a comedy on Friday night, really, usually. So I don't know if that's the best time slot for it. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe maybe all those people uh, that are watching, uh, you know, Last Man Standing and, and The Neighbors on ABC will flip over and that's true. watch watch they those should, for a, they a should full do, night like, they of should comedy. They should get together and do a, a joint ad campaign. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, for yeah, the 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 comedy, the comedy Friday. Oh Lord! <laughs> it was actually I I just really enjoyed it. I I agree. I it you know it wasn't super great. There were some things where it was almost a little too slapsticky at times and stuff like that. But you know I I bought the them as brothers. You know from the beginning, I thought you know they did really well with that right off, and there was uh, you know plenty of potential to work with uh, uh, and places to go that. Uh, I think, you know, it could become one of the, the stronger ones if it gets a chance, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's the key word, I think, not only for its time slot, but for the network. And uh, with that, we'll move to just briefly to Saturday to mention that uh, uh, Fox will have uh, college football games again in prime time as of September 7th. And uh, that'll uh, about do it for the uh, fall Fox uh, preview uh, briefly, uh, Amy, what do you think of sort of their schedule overall? I think they, I mean, I think some things are doing really well. Like the Tuesday night comedy block is a really strong comedy block for them. I'm worried about where some of the positions, I think Monday night's a strong night for them too. And maybe those dramas will do well on Monday, but I think it's a tough slot. Like I think people either are in or out on those shows on Monday. And I, I wonder how Sleepy Hollow and Almost Human will do if people don't tune in immediately. Um, and I think Fox always has a struggle with baseball, like baseball kind of interrupts their fall launch and, um, you know, a lot of shows die a quicker death because of it, I think, because they just, you know, if they don't build momentum before baseball, they're not going to build momentum after baseball. Yeah, but well, if they start think, after baseball, everybody's already locked in on watching other things that have right. started up at the same time. Right. right. I think by the time they start after baseball, some people are, are already think the new show launches are over and that there's not going to be any more new shows, you know. So I think they have a unique uh, – situation and they always try to i think program around it and i and i think they are being smarter now and kind of thinking about a year-round programming and they've done that uh long before anybody else did it um i think they did it back with the original 90210 when they started 90210 episodes in the summer i mean they've always kind of thought more in terms of year-round um uh, programming so i do think i mean i think they're trying to be as smart as possible about it i just don't know how it hopefully will work for them how about you, Danielle? I don't want Brooklyn Nine-Nine to get lost in the shuffle because I love it. So I'm hoping Brooklyn Nine-Nine does really well for it. <laughs> yeah, well, it, you know, actually, you know, it, it sort of leaves Raising Hope out there by itself. Yeah. But it, but uh, 
Brooklyn Nine Nine and Enlisted together seem like a, a much better pairing than what they well, have. I'm thinking hopefully like dads will get canceled quickly and we can remove like we can just move Raising Hope back into that time slot is my thought that the dads is not going to last long, I don't think. Um, and that they'll move something stronger into that because it not only is dads a bad show, but kicking off a night is a tough thing to do, especially when you're a bad new show. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I mean, their Tuesday night comedy block has always been pretty strong um, in terms of content. And I do feel like this season, it is a little bit of an odd choice for what they've put there. It's definitely not how I would have personally scheduled it. But um, I, I do feel like at least they still have that Tuesday night comedy block. So they're not they're not straying too far. I mean, there are some other things that they've done that I, that I'm kind of scratching my head about. I, I know that they're trying to launch sleepy hollow strong and bones is a very fan devoted show, but they're very different shows. And I just don't know how much of that lead in is going to stick around for it. And it's, it's really hard to like, I look at their schedule and I kind of feel like putting the X factor on Wednesday, Thursday, like to me, it's yes, it's a ratings monster, but to me, that's, I feel like it's a waste of prime real estate. I truly do. Like I, that's a ratings monster, no matter where you stick it. And I, I feel like take a chance on a show, prove that you have, you, you want to launch a show strong and that you want to keep a certain show around and give it a prime time slot. Whereas putting things on a Friday night to me feels like you don't even have faith in something you just picked up. Yeah, it'll definitely be, uh, there's so many weird things with the scheduling on all the networks, you know, certain shows starting, a couple weeks after everything else is starting or one thing yep. starting a week earlier than everything else. It's, it's very, it's very bizarre right. in some respects. Right. And to play devil's advocate, right. That if they don't do that, then everything launches the same week. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> something, so there, it's like, there's like no right answer. As I yeah. always think that I'm like, Oh, it's so annoying. Like somebody it's like, you know, CW has their things in October. Fox goes really early. It's hard to keep track of everything. And even if you're a big TV fan, just trying to keep track of when is, when do a new show start? When is the show I love come back? But if they put everything in that one week in September, then there's not a TiVo in the world that can handle it. Like, you know, we need like a, a 10 tuner, like DVR, you know? That's the key word, though, that you just said. I mean, like, the most people aren't watching these things when they launch. Like, fall, you know, fall launch used to be an, an event. It used to be like you had to gather around your TV if you wanted to see this new show because if you didn't see it, you wouldn't get to see it. Now it's like, whatever, I'll just DVR it and watch it on my time. So it almost doesn't matter when they premiere, as long as they're willing to give it two or three weeks and check the DVR ratings to see how is it doing, really, not how is right. it doing in its time slot. So I don't know. Like I like that Fox that Fox tends to launch a little early. I love that the CW, which I know we're not talking about today, but I love that it does its thing later because it's kind of like keep us out of the mess. Yeah, and they used to try to do the earlier. Yeah, yeah and it, right. it looks super well. And it also made it really hard – for the rest of the season because then there were really long chunks of time of reruns right. and right. that is a mess, especially for that type of audience. So, I mean, I, shows either, so. yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not a baseball fan, so I don't really feel like it messes me personally up when Fox's shows go on these hiatuses for sports. I know other people feel differently, but I, again, I mean, if you're DVRing stuff, you may not be catching up. Even if it premiered before baseball, you may, you may not be watching it until after anyway. Yeah. No, when so, baseball comes, it's like a break for us, right? You're like, oh, good. There's not to worry about those shows. Yeah, <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying. Like, and it's it's terrible for the networks because they're like, well, I'm going to cancel the show because nobody watched it, and then all of a sudden people watch it after, and they're like, wait, right. I liked it, whatever. But at the same time, 
you know, that's the world we live in now. And it, I, I can, I hope that when they're programming, they're, they're saying that to themselves. They're saying like, we get that this is how it's going to go, that the ratings may not be super strong and it, and we shouldn't worry just about the ratings, but also the potential of the content for where this story can go to give it a full season, to try it out and to see how it does rather than, you know, constantly moving it around and it can't even find its audience because the DVR can't find it on the schedule or whatever, <laughs> um, which other networks tend to do more than Fox, but, but Fox has done its fair share too. Yeah. The, the, the moving things around where it's been someplace for a couple of weeks and then it moves someplace else for a couple of weeks and then like, Oh, that didn't work. Let's move it back. And you're just like, for the people that are actually watching things on a, on a night live, you're completely screwing with them. Yeah, you know, because they 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 just think, oh well, it must have got canceled or something, and then they come to find out, wait, that show's still on. Yeah. So one last thing for uh, about Fox, they've got a few shows set for mid season: uh, Rake, uh, Gang Related, uh, Us and Them, and Surviving Jack. Any of those sort of strike your fancy, Amy? Um, I, you came in and out, but I think you're asking about mid-season shows. Yeah, is there any is there any one of the mid-season shows that like? Yeah, us and them confuse. Yeah, us and them confuses me because Rory Gilmore is now dating her mother's boyfriend, so that just confuses <laughs> me in general. Although I did watch it, but I just like I can't get past that. Do you know what I mean? I, and I love Jason Ritter and I love Alexis Bedell, but I cannot get past it. Like, oh, Rory Gilmore's going to date Mark Sear, and even when I watched the pilot, I couldn't get past it. I really did like Surviving Jack with Christopher Maloney. I thought that was really funny. I thought that had a lot of potential. I really liked that show. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that one. How about you, Danielle? I actually, I really liked Us and Them. It was it was similar to Enlisted, though, in the sense that, like, I could watch a show about those two without their weird friends and, I'd, and be okay with it. But I surprisingly really liked Gang Related. Like, it's a show that I looked at on the uh, during pilot season and went, oh, yeah, this is a, a no-brainer that it's, it's the easy pickup because it's got the formula and it's got, you know, the easy hooks. But... I actually found myself really compelled by a lot of the characters. Um, and similarly, like, I liked Surviving Jack, and it's one of those shows that like I want to see more from to know if I'm going to want to watch it. I'm a little bummed that they recast the mom. Like, Don't get me wrong, I love Rachel Harris, who they just hired to play the mom, but I really love Alex Caphorner too, and I was just like, I don't know why. I thought she was great in the pilot, and I thought she and Chris had a, a really interesting dynamic, and it, it kind of just made me a little sad that to know, I know. that. Who no, knows? I agree. Like sometimes recasts help happen, and you're just like, I don't. I mean, because sometimes you watch a pilot, you're like, oh, they're going to definitely need to recast yeah, that character. Exactly. But that was, but but this, that was, was this was one. She was great. Yeah, and so I mean, I don't know. Like I watch a show like that, and I'm much more interested in the parents than I am the teenager. Which it's, <laughs> it's the teenager's story, and in a way, I should care about it because it's the '90s nostalgia, and I'm super into that. But there's just something about I don't. I just don't connect with teenage characters very often, and I definitely did not with that one. So I'm much more interested in the family dynamic and we'll have to see what that ends up being. I feel like I don't know what that is right now because I don't, I know Rachel is a very different actor and will bring something very different and I just haven't seen it yet. So right. I, I liked what I saw, but what I saw is not the show that will air. So I don't know. That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I, Surviving Jack, I don't know if it was because it was the the third one of this season's coming uh, Wonder Years type shows. Yeah, but that I, like I watched that. Uh, I don't know if it's because it was the third one that I watched that I liked it. I didn't like it as much because I was like, "Oh, there's an, another one of those shows coming in this season." But 
I, I don't know. I'd be interested to, to see, you know, uh, where that goes. I, Us and Them was the one I liked the most. Uh, either of you watch Gavin and Stacey, the British show? No. Mm-mm. So am I the only one that the casting bothered them? That I I don't know why I just couldn't. It just seemed like, and I like I like them both so much. But I mean, do you guys not watch Parenthood? This is, I love this is, Parenthood. No, no. I, I, I watch Parenthood. It didn't. It didn't really. Uh, it didn't. I didn't. I don't know. I, it didn't really bother me. Uh, you know. I have some TV issues. I clearly need to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I will say the only thing that was a, that I like couldn't really wrap my head around right away was the fact that like I was bummed that he would no longer be on Parenthood. Yeah. But, the, but the the pairing of Alexis and Jason, no, because a it's been forever since we've seen Rory Gilmore, and she's done so many adult roles since then that I don't think of her that way anymore anyway. But also, I mean, I got to be honest, I love Mark Sear, but I don't think Mark Sear and Sarah Braverman are end game because she's such a mess. He deserves better. So, <laughs> and this is a whole other. This is a whole other conversation. But it's like it didn't bother me because I was like, "Oh, here is a chance for Jason Ritter to play a romantic lead opposite someone who is appropriate, right? Character-wise, you know." So I, it didn't bother me, and I, I really love the families the, the around them. Jane Kasmerick, yeah, that was and funny. Kurt Fuller, and everything. Like I just, I don't know. There were a lot of really elements to that that I just really enjoyed. Yeah, I. I liked it. It didn't feel like a, just a complete ripoff of Gavin and Stacey. Right. It, I mean, it, it's been a while since I've seen Gavin and Stacey, but some of the shows that have been remade of British shows, they, they are, it's almost like word for word. They just, you know, they change a few British sayings to like American sayings. And, and, uh, but it felt different enough, but with still the same sort of sweetness that, uh, that type of show had, uh, and, but set up in a way that it felt like it could go, its own way, you know, that there was plenty to go. They, they weren't going to just like follow this, whatever happened on uh, Gavin and Stacy. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, as we head into the fall season with all these shows, if you're looking for something else to watch, Gavin and Stacy is definitely a, a, one of my f- favorite uh, British shows. One of favorite British comedies. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that I would love to watch. It's one of those shows that's always on my list on, that I need to check out. On the other hand, it's, you know, all four seasons of it only last like 20 yeah, something episodes or something like yeah. that. So it's not like you're, it's not actually like a huge commitment to watch all of it. Oh, that's good. I saw, I'll work through my Rory Gilmore issues. You know, you're right. Yeah. These are, they're actors. This is what they do. They play different roles. <laughs> I need to move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, Gilmore Girls ended a long time ago. I'll just start working it's through it. It's totally different if it's something that you always watch. Like I used to, when it was on ABC Family, I would watch it like every day. And so it was a little different because you still saw her as Rory Gilmore. But right. it's been a while since I personally did that. So I don't know. I, I literally just didn't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't just, know. You both have to sit down and be like, Amy, move on. Move on, Amy. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny casting that he happened to be going to a show that that was the that dynamic. Right. Uh, Right, but uh, quickly on on gang related, I did like that one as well. I just like the idea of taking something that you know and putting a a different twist on it, and the twist of the gang putting somebody undercover into the, the police force just was. I just thought that was an interesting idea. Yeah, because it's uh, the reverse. It's, it's yeah. Completely, you you see you see the other happen all the time in movies and TV shows, and so just just flipping that one thing made it. Uh, well, yeah, and, it reminded me of The Departed, right? Isn't that what happened in The Departed? Yeah, and it, the it just it just had that you know enough different to, from what you usually see 
and then uh, you know uh, some really good actors, <laughs> a good cast on the show too. So that was an, another one that I was, I'm looking forward to at midseason. But uh, I think we've talked plenty about Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, this is the Fox Fall Preview episode of TV Times Three, so you know what else should you be talking about? But uh, we'll move on quickly to uh, prime time. And uh, first show, Switched at Birth, uh, Season 2, Episode 20, uh, The Merrymakers is the last one that aired uh, tonight as we, uh, on the day that we're recording this podcast uh, is the second season finale. And uh, just, uh, Amy, what have you thought of uh, the second half of the second season of uh Well, I mean, Switched I love Birth. Switched at Birth. I think it's a really great show. And I, I really appreciate so much of what they do in, in the character development. And I particularly appreciate that like Emma and Bay aren't back together and the season in the second half of the season has not been about them pining for each other. I think they've had very even very few scenes where they've even interacted. And I just like that. I like that they're just making these really interesting choices. I like that Nikki is definitely not um, a bad person. She just she um, they should not be they should not be getting married that young. They're too young to get married, but they haven't demonized Nikki in the process. So I think they make really um good dramatic choices that are different for what we typically see on a teen drama. So I just have really been a fan of, of what they've done. I mean, I'm a fan of the show in general, and I've been a particularly fan of these last episodes. I think it's been a, it's been a pretty strong run for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the show. I've loved the show since the beginning. And one of the things that I really like is how it's able to inspire conversations and discussions about issues without being an issue show. Agreed. Um, everything right. just feels, you know, it just feels like life. It just feels like things that are coming up, especially, you know, as we're talking about leading into this finale, this wedding that it could easily be, you know, other lesser shows would do teachable moments about, you know, people getting married for the wrong reasons or getting married too young. And yeah, there are characters who are having those comments and those discussions, but the characters who are getting married are the ones that have to figure it out on their own and have right. to put the pieces together and the audience as well. No one is saying, telling the audience how to feel. There's a chunk of the audience that wants Nikki and Toby to get married because they think they're a cute couple. And there's a chunk of the audience that gets the bigger picture and says, maybe stay together, but maybe work through some of your stuff before you get married. Cause it's a big step. And then there's also a chunk of the audience that says, Toby gave up so much of who he was because he thought he had to grow up. Maybe he needs to figure out who he is that, you know, that uh, Kelly Taylor, I choose me thing. Right, right. right. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, I love reference. That's the way to my heart. <laughs> but that's the kind of, and that's the kind of thing I love about this show is like, no matter what the topic is, they, you know, they don't talk down to the audience. You know, you, you're not. There's no easy, yeah, there's no easy answers. Yeah. And, then, and you're not wrong for falling into any one of those camps. If you think that way about a certain situation and, um, I, I love this season specifically. It was very subtle, and I think maybe given more time now that you know they have a third season, they'll explore it further. But what came up for Bay when when she realized that Angelo was going to rip this baby, his child, mm -hmm. away from its adopted parents, she, you know that could have been her when she was mm -hmm. a kid, and now she's seeing things from a different side she never thought about. And and what happens, you know, and, and so in the last episode, when the baby couldn't stop crying, all I was thinking was it misses its dad. Me it, too, it, me so, too. You know, and it doesn't know why why it's here and who you are and it doesn't get it. And so, you know, it's it's the way that they they bring things up without beating you over the head with them. 
So there's a ton. And I'm just, I mean, I have to say, though, if there's one thing that I have to criticize about this season, I didn't love the Jace storyline. But I like... I like what it brought out for Daphne in the sense of she's always been attracted to like bad boys and yeah. things and she kind of loses a little bit of herself sometimes. And we saw in the what if episode, she had a hole in her then because she had no identity. And maybe even in this real, all, this real timeline, maybe she does have a little bit of that and she doesn't even realize it. And maybe we're starting to see how it's manifesting itself. But I just feel like the Jace thing was so all over the place. I felt like he was kind of manic. And I was like, if you're not going to, if he's not going to stick around so that you have to deal with his ramifications, I feel like you're going, you're spiraling out of control a little bit. So right. no, I think that I agree with you. I think they made a misstep with that character. I kind of have just not a little bit ignored that storyline because I haven't loved it. And I just think it's not the best, but I think also they just need to put her in a relationship probably next season that's a little bit more healthy and healthy for her and maybe this will be the lesson yeah. that she learns. I don't know why she doesn't give Travis a shot. I love Travis. I love Travis. I so no, like, I love tra- yeah last week I just put a tweet that was like I love Travis. I think it was okay. like I love nothing. I just I love him. Say it all the time. Him. I'm I mean I, I literally say it all the time and I I mean I'm glad that they've kept him around but like I wish I wish he was a little bit more used. I would watch a spin-off of like Emmett and Travis and Melody on a sitcom just living together like three <laughs> weird. I mean, I just think that dynamic is so interesting and it's it could have been he could have been such a tragic character and he's really starting to like come into his own. Well, but I think that's what they do so well on the shows. They don't make anybody a one note character. Like everybody has depth. Right. Um, right. And I think that's what I like really like about the Nikki. They haven't just like it'd be so easy on so many shows that have just written Nikki as this like bitchy girl yeah. who's trying to make Toby marry it. You know, and she's not. She's like a fully developed person with a complex backstory and a complex, you know, presence and um present story. And I really like that, that, that. That these are just like two people trying to figure out what the best choices for them, not like demonizing one character to like you said, make the audience feel certain way yeah yeah i i've liked the show from the beginning uh it it continues to do a really good job of just sort of some of the scenes where they have two deaf characters talking and it's just silent yeah and you're you know you're reading the the subtitles those and those scenes some of those scenes have some real impact but even some of the ideas uh that they that they do like Emmett dealing with his dad wanting, you know, who's been yeah, deaf, I love that. wanting to get a, a cochlear implant and, and his feelings about that and, and stuff. Those are all, those are all interesting things that these characters are dealing with that you don't even, you know, think of that are sort of like new areas to explore in these type of, uh, you know, in this type of, you know, sort of a teen drama. And, and then, you know, some of the uh, adult storylines are, uh, have gotten, I think have gotten better in the second half of the of the season uh Regina is not nearly as annoying as <laughs> as she's been in 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 previous ones uh I like that sort of Regina and uh I don't know after she's come back from the rehab she seems to uh have become a slightly different character and I I think it's the show is better for it but overall, I just think they uh, they really do a good job. I I do too think that the Jay storyline started out interesting in this like this guy that could like quickly pick up anything you know right, really smart was, yeah uh, th- that type of stuff and then it like 
delved off into this weird area where, you know, he's all for like taking somebody's credit card and, you know, donating a bunch of stuff to charity and, and but even that, like Daphne was willing to take his money. I thought that was interesting too, that they didn't make Daphne like the goody two shoes of that scenario. Right. I mean, she she was real... never, yeah. She's never really been right. But at the same time, I mean, I just think that escalated so quickly that I was like, well, if you're not paying this off, like it has to have repercussions. Right. And if you're not planning on doing that, you're going a little too far. I mean, they basically could. I mean, what they did was a felony. Like they blackmailed. <laughs> yeah, right. And right, nobody, right. like nobody, seemed to be concerned about that. And then you know, breaking into his office to delete a voicemail is. There's all kinds of things wrong with that. You know, you can't prove what was what you deleted. You can't prove. You know, you just you just see on that footage. You just see them breaking into the office and doing something on the phone, you know, and granted she was just trying to cover a stupid mistake, but that's not what it looks like. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't know if that's something that they want to keep around for season three and play with, you know, what happens because of all of this, but I just feel like it might get a little short changed, especially because the finale deals, it has to deal so much with the wedding. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they sure have a lot of balls up in the air. Yeah, that's to go I mean. into this to to go into this, uh, and they do have episode. a habit of dropping storylines. Do you know what I mean? Or dropping characters that we never hear. Or, you know, we hear about Wilkie, but we have. I mean, they come back when they like. The only reason Wilkie hasn't come back is because he's on the Carrie Diaries now. Right, like, right, right. That's the thing. Like even some of the the kids we met at Carlton last year, they came for the Maui Wowie Death Day. Well, we haven't seen the girl, the guy that. Um, Kansas, sorry. Uh, yeah, but we haven't seen the guy that Bay was dating, the one she was dating at the other well, hearings. She's dating, dated so many people. No, um, well, Liam? <laughs> you mean Liam? Was that who it was, the hearing I student? I can't remember who, no, I can't remember who dated Liam. Daphne might have dated Liam. Yeah, I think Daphne dated Liam. We haven't seen either of them this summer. Well, Liam's on the originals now, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I feel like some of it is at the mercy of like, well, the story has moved away from that, but also the actors are no longer available. Well, no, because I, I think mean, that's a... Right, because they have a problem. They can't pick up. They can't give people a contract for a long. They don't have. That's yeah. not how they roll. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I do like that. You know, they'll they put something away. I don't. I don't know if I'd say they drop it. Like they put something away for a little while. Like Regina coming out of rehab early could have been a disastrous route. Like they could have taken her down as she backs. You know, she spirals and, and backslides really fast because she should never have left rehab early. Instead, she seems to be doing okay. But that doesn't mean she won't. Have, it won't recur later because that is an ongoing issue, right, you know? Right, and so, like, right. I, I kind of like that. Again, it's not – they're not throwing issues in your face. They're letting no, things No, and, and I even thought, like, they had that conversation this season between Regina and um, what the father, whose name I was forgetting right now, but where they – you saw yeah, so much of the history of they, that yeah. they had had since the show started kind of coming out right before he had his heart attack where they had that yeah. argument. I thought that was great because this is like, yes, we know these characters. This is stuff that's been kind of simmering under the surface. That, and that's how real life is, right? Like people that you have tension with and things like that. You, When you have an argument like that, that is you bring up things that have been boiling under the surface for a long time. I thought that was really great. I mean, they just do so many things well on that show. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. We love the switch to birth. Yeah. Like <laughs> so much. I love it so much. Yeah. I love it so much. Let's start a fan club. <laughs> I mean, I've I listen, I've already talked to Lizzie about a couple of my weird fan obsession things with the show. So I, I don't think she'd she'd be surprised if suddenly I did that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
We'll move on to the uh, next show on the list, which is uh, Under the Dome, uh, Season 1, Episode 7, uh, Thicker Than Water. And uh, I want to thank uh, Carl Brand for writing in. Uh, we'll start off the conversation with his uh, email. He, uh, We've been talking the last couple of weeks about some of the more sillier aspects of uh, Under the Dome. And he said, I do think Under the Dome is 11 on the silly scale. <laughs> uh, it is the first show that I fast forward watch and just stop when it looks like something mythology related might happen. <laughs> I think it might have been – this is kind of interesting and – I think it might have been a better approach to have the dome come down a few episodes in and see what the town is like before it happens. Might have given mm-hmm. us a chance to care about the characters, but might have killed ratings, <laughs> which I think is probably true. Because I think there has been a little bit of some of the characters, things just happened like way too fast and you you didn't totally care that it was happening. And then, uh, you know, other characters have been killed off and you didn't really get to know them that much. Uh, hmm. And then there's been a bunch of uh, – I think there's been way too many things that are just – just seem dumb that the writers have put in there that you're just like, that could have happened, but you could have done it in a way that, like, didn't seem stupid, you know? <laughs> like, uh, But I think this last episode actually may have, may have been, like, the one episode that had the least <laughs> – I don't remember there being anything where I was just like, well, that's dumb, you know, like – Really? Because uh, I think the whole, I think the end was dumb, but it might be a personal thing. It may just be not for me. Well, I think, uh, I think the idea that he, that they, they blow up the well and apparently oh. just hours later, uh, the reservoir is back. I'm talking about, um, Angie being the potentially being a key to oh, whatever. Yeah. That, that, that being the, the more mythology related, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, that, those are still the things that, uh, yeah, that, that sort of came about a little bit, but then she's the brother of somebody who seems to have a connection to the dome. So, well, but the thing is, this this is the thing that I don't think they're getting across properly. All children are supposed to have a connection to the dome. And so it's not just Joe and Nori. Is that from the book? Is that from the book? Well, it's from the book, but it's also from something the producer said early on in the development of the show. And now maybe, listen, maybe it changed. Maybe they changed their minds. But to be fair, we're not really tracking any other children other than Joe right, and Nori. Yeah. So they could, there could be kids having seizures all over town. We just don't, <laughs> we don't care. But well, that's the other my times issue. that we've seen some of them, though, you know, like his friend with the skateboard and stuff like that, nobody else yeah. seems to be being right. affected. It, they, the way they keep showing it is. Yeah. Is, but they're uh, also, Joe and, Joe and Nori have been inducing it like they've been trying to figure out what's going on so they've been trying to have the seizures but they showed some of the adults have had things like the pregnant lady saw her you know yeah thought thought she was talking to her husband and and stuff and so there's there's been a a lot of uh, interesting things i just i just felt that there wasn't any maybe all of a sudden her being having a connection or something you know it, it makes you roll your eyes or something but there's just been there wasn't anything that felt in that silly category to me you know like having a an appliance delivery truck you know run into the water tower and you're just like who is ordering a new washer you know, <laughs> in, uh, under the dome that's a very good point you know that that type well, of stuff why you know uh, and the the idea that that truck couldn't have stopped in the, the distance that it was and and the stupidity of having uh all of a sudden uh, this lady has run out of insulin where just a couple days ago when she was running the hospital, 
she still seemed like she was like, oh, I still have some. But yet a couple of days later, she's completely run out enough that she's having problems. Well, I think uh, she was lying. That's what I thought. She was lying I don't know. Right it's now. just uh, so much. Uh, My thing is, I just don't understand how so many characters have died, but Junior's still alive. Because I think <laughs> they need to kill that. That character to me is like. He is so, so annoying. I just think, and it just, he's a character's all over the place. And he's just, I, I just cannot stand that character. And they spend so much time on him. See, I've gotten like so much. I feel like his character just got interesting. And I feel like that's unfortunate because if things are just getting interesting in episode seven or eight, we have a problem. Right. But the fact that we well, finally. there's going to be another like, season. So they got plenty of time to get interesting. I don't know what they're going to do. <laughs> no, they don't. So that's the thing. Like a show like this isn't supposed to be a slow burn. You're I supposed know. to the panic that these people feel about the fact that they're under a dome they can't get in or out they have no new food and water like they don't feel it doesn't seem like they seem to mind that they're under this dome well that's the thing is it took till episode five before there was a riot you know before there's no sense of urgency and that's a huge problem with the pacing of the show that uh, that's a whole other issue but i feel like junior's character like you know, you didn't really know what was going on with him in the beginning. You 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 knew enough to know the dome didn't make him go crazy because he la you know he right right lashed out at Angie first. But at the same time, like you weren't entirely sure as to what was going on. And finally, getting the backstory that his mother had psychiatric problems. Now you're starting to see okay, he's got something going on inside of him that his father either can't admit to or or doesn't want to admit to or or doesn't even know about it to me it makes him more psychologically interesting and internally interesting i gotta be honest i don't know that i think that i don't think that actor can play all that so well i think i think that's the problem i don't think it's this yeah. part i think it's the I actor i kind of thought he was miscast in the beginning of the series and i'm kind of like i don't know how much it is him and how much it is they are not telling him so he's not thinking, oh, I should seed my performance with this or or not with this or whatever. I don't see a lot going on behind his eyes, and that's right. a problem to me. But I yeah, mean, he just has those wild, crazy eyes. <laughs> yeah, but the character could be so interesting because he is a true loose cannon in a much different way than anybody else who would be panicking and looting and rioting and whatever would be because he's not doing it for reason or for survival. He doesn't know what he's even doing. Yeah, I just but, think I agree with you. I think he's just that there's certain show, certain actors that are just maybe even if the ca- character is poorly written or not fully con- constructed, a great yeah. actor can kind of turn that around. And I just yeah. think it's a bad combination. Maybe not the best writing with maybe not the best performance. Yeah, I just that's also, the thing. I mean, and that's what my problem too. Like the character of Angie, I hated. I hate Angie as a character. I think Britt Robertson is great, and I think because they knew that and they had her. They said we're going to make her character more important to the story, and that's kind of why I rolled my eyes last week at that. I felt like it was a very contrived like way to keep the actor happy and giving her interesting things, and you know, not wasting the talent they have. But that character shouldn't even be alive right now. She should have died in like episode two. Like right. Big Jim should have just seen what his son did and killed her. <laughs> so like that, that to me, like I can't wrap my head around the. The way the story is unfolding, it feels it doesn't feel realistic to me at all. But also, I think that they haven't really been true to their own rules. Like, it does seem like every episode, the rules. I mean, like, I can't just figure out, does everybody have a generator? Have we totally lost power? Do, are they just, it, they just seem like they will lose just, power. 
But they, but then, but everywhere we go, there's like most people seem to have generators just lying right. around. Like, so but there just the seems to be like they that'll only last for so long. And the thing that's hard about a show like this is every episode is like a new day, so they're really only a week in right now. But the problem with that is they're a week in. They've already had a meningitis outbreak. They've already lost their water. Already, <laughs> like it doesn't. The pacing is totally off. No, it's right. I I think I would stop. My husband really likes it for whatever reason. I think that's more, the main reason I keep watching it because like every episode, I'm like, I am not watching this show again. Right. You can watch it by yourself. I am not doing this. And then I'll like, so they're like, oh, all right, I'll watch it because there's, right. there's something that I, I there's parts that I like, but overall the show is just not working. There's I something yeah. about the the sort of mystery aspect of what this dome is and stuff like that that still hooks you enough that like you want to find out that stuff and that you sit through. <laughs> all this other right, stuff to, to get to it. But then that's what I mean. Like when I say the pacing too, like they're not delivering on the what or the how or the why at all. Well, and I also think you just really need to invest in the characters, right? Like on Lost, you yeah. had to, you had to care about the characters. I think the problem yeah. here is I don't care about the characters. Exactly. And, I, and there's some characters like I violently don't care about like Rachel, the <laughs> character, like, right. They, she could just go away. Like, okay, I, the- and that, that to me is the great travesty of this show because if you read the book, Julia Shumway is a badass and she is one of – she's like a true hero of that story. And when they aged her down, I said, oh, shit, they're doing that because they're going to want to do a love thing and they're going to want to make her more palatable and it's not going to work. And sure enough, she's lost all edge. She's lost all sense of – even the Julia we met in the pilot where she was – investigating and her journalist hat was on and she was like what's going on and why she's throwing that out the window and so it's kind of another what's your point then why are you here why do we care about you you have nothing going on you've accepted that your husband left you you are not trying to chase the story like you're kind of trying to chase the story with joe but really you have no way of figuring that out so it's hard to invest in what you're doing because you're so far off the map anyway and I just – it's so sad. I just want everybody to read the book instead, honestly. <laughs> I really just want to just start sending people copies of the book. Like I, I just – I don't think – at the it. bottom like, of, the, of the show, like read the book instead. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Like there's – the characters are so rich and so interesting and you're not going to like everybody but you don't have to like everybody. There are That's the thing. They draw the line in the sand with who's a villain and who is not a villain – based on how they respond to this insane circumstance. And, you know, Jason, you read that email at the beginning of this about how, you know, they said it's, it's the 11 scale of silly and not, and you know, you, you kind of can't care about the characters and everything. And my, my reasoning is it's because I, I feel like you can't care, care about the characters because they're watering them down. They don't want to draw that line. You, you haven't seen people truly panic. You haven't seen their true nature come out. You know, the, the, the guy who sent in the email said something about, like, if you had seen what their lives were like before the dome, you would have gotten a sense of who they were. And I would counter that and say, no, the minute the dome fell, you should have gotten to see who they were because yeah. your true nature comes out in a tragedy. And you, when you don't know what's happening – that's when you are your most real because you don't care what people think of you. You either rise to power and command the situation or you become a follower and you fall in line. And none of that happened because nobody panicked because everyone's like, whatever, the dome will get lifted or I've got a generator. Who cares? I'm just hanging out. And it's like by episode nine, when the generator starts to fail, they're going to realize that was not true. But that's eight episodes of wasted real estate. That should have been how the show started. That's how the book opens. 
that's how the show looked like it was starting with all you know the the crashing of the planes and the cow splitting in half like you don't panic when that yeah. happens to your town seriously yeah i just think that it's sort of a wasted opportunity i mean they're gonna end up milking it because so many people are watching it um you know oh, it, totally. if they don't give some sort of something though here at the end of this i don't know how many people are gonna you know how well it's gonna return yeah um, in a second well, season I can see it fizzle out like Jericho did. Like, do you know what I mean? I think it has a lot of people watching now. I don't see it being sustained. I was disappointed when I first heard that there was talk that maybe there would be a second season. And because at at first I heard, I was thinking 13 episode mini, you know, mini series type of, you know, short, just telling the story of this book, you know, it'd be like a long form movie uh, type of idea. And it, that, that idea appealed to me. And then to see what's been going on, it almost feels like from the beginning they had thoughts of hopefully they could go multiple yeah. seasons with this because they're they're not there's no no urgency to some things right uh, that there seems like there should be. Well, that's the thing. I mean, CBS always said when they picked it up, they called it a limited series with the right or they reserved the right to renew. And so for the writing, it's like an oxymoron, right? Like (laughs) it should be an oxymoron, but like at least the writing staff knew that because you write very differently if you write to an end at 13, because when you think about a story like this, how does this end? Well, the dome either has to lift or be exploded or everyone inside has to die. Like there's, there's a finite way that the show like this can really end. And if you're, if you're writing to that at 13, you're writing it very differently. And so I think now that they know for sure that they're renewed for season two, I'm sure 13 episode 13 has been tweaked a little bit from what they were originally going to do. But I still think that that is extremely telling what, what they do in 13, how much of the hows and the whys they reveal and the what really, um, what is the dome and, and what is the egg and, and whatever. And, if I mean, it could go out with a bang and it could be really strong. And I'll say right now, I'm way more interested in watching the season, the second season premiere than I am watching the rest of the first season because Stephen King is writing the second season premiere. And <laughs> that I want to see. I, I mean, that I want to I mean, he granted they've taken his characters in completely different directions. And so I'm not saying he's going to like steer them back to the book at all. But that to me is interesting because he does character but he does character in a thousand pages you don't have that in a tv show and i'm fascinated to see what he'll do and you know what it'll mean for the launch pad of season two if it'll change the pacing at all so i'm still watching it don't get me wrong i can sit here and criticize it all day (laughs) but we all we're all watching it yeah and i mean really at the end of the day that's that's what matters like we're all talking about it while we watch right. it even so there's saying, something there right yeah yeah there's right. something there like the premise is still fascinating to me like what who these characters are and and how they relate to each other in this high pressure or what should be a high pressure situation like that's all really interesting you know the fact that i i can't wrap my head around the fact that big jim isn't really the villain of this story like i'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop and I don't know if it ever will on him or if there's someone we have yet to meet who's going to come in and be like a quote unquote big bad or if it's not that kind of show. I mean, I just feel like we're so trained to look for that, that mm-hmm. it's fear that they don't have it. Yeah, because the the person that seemed to be going up against him, they've already gotten rid of him. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And 
And I mean, Ollie Dinsmore was is not. I mean, he's a sad old man. So he's sorry, but he could never be the biggest bad of the show. Yeah. But it, but it's also an interesting thing that like that's the other thing I have trouble getting my head wrapped around is like they can still introduce so many people. They're still like. Yeah. Because you never get a full idea of like how many people are actually in the town, how many people are yeah. under the dome, how big the dome actually is. And uh, that's that's what I don't like, though. Like, I don't like the of the week problem. Like, the pregnant lady was – I liked what that story meant. And, and I do agree that we had to see what the effects of the dome were to somebody in her condition. But I wish we had met her earlier so that we could have had in the back of our mind, oh, that's a big scale story that's coming rather than She's something. Go later, right. And then yeah, like, yeah you just introduce her there and we'll see that. Yeah. And that storyline had another one of those uh, little stupid elements in it that. Well, they all know, did. Where, where they, the guys come up and they start siphoning the gas out of the car, but Barbie stops them. But yet the car becomes unusable. Right, I was right. like, they got maybe half a gallon out of there before right, right, it was like, stopped. Right. <laughs> you right. couldn't still drive the car, so that like just try, just turn the key, and see what happens. See they if were it just works. like right. now, now, just to create some sort of drama, so that they had to carry this pregnant lady someplace, you know, type of thing. And you're just like, this; these are the things that that bother me. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with that at all. But it didn't have quite a moment like that in in this last episode, which I was happy to see, but. We're all still watching. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go, where they leave it at the end of a season and, you know, going into a second one. Uh, but I think uh, with that, uh, with this epic long podcast that we got going here, we'll quickly move to TV on DVD picks. You know, these are things coming out on Tuesday, August 27th. And uh, both uh, Danielle and I have uh, selected Homeland Season 2 and Elementary Season 1. And Amy selected Homeland season two and Grey's Anatomy season nine. Uh, anything you'd like to say, Amy, about uh, either of those shows? Well, just, you know, I think Homeland is one of those shows where I can completely understand why people were critical of the second season, but I'm kind of all in on Homeland and I just really enjoy the show and was able to overlook uh, maybe some of the foibles from last season. Um, and I really enjoyed the second season. So I thought that I, you know, I think if you're not a fan, if you haven't watched Homeland, and you're kind of catching up, I think it's definitely worth uh, checking out Homeland Season 2. And uh, Grey's Anatomy uh, Season 9, um, that's one of those shows, you know, Grey's Anatomy is one of those shows that's almost like comfort food at this point because I just watch it because I know the characters. I just, I don't even know if it's a good show anymore. I just still watch it. <laughs> um, and in Season 9, things got, you know, they had a lot of um, issues on Season Season nine. So I think if it's all Grey's Anatomy season nine DVD, I think is if you're a diehard fan of Grey's, of Grey's Anatomy, you probably want to own the season nine DVD. I think Grey's Anatomy has definitely been a show that has its ups and downs where like you have a season where you're just like, really? And then like the next season, you're like, wow, this is good again. And then, you know, they've... It can be like that moment to moment, yeah. scene break to scene break. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Danielle? Anything you'd like to say about those? Well, I mean, I, I mean, again, I like you, Amy, I, I do see and I did make some criticisms of Homeland season two. But honestly, it delivered one of my favorite moments on television ever when it was that 15 minute scene of Brody and Carrie in the interrogation room. And that is just it was it's so a master so of, of writing and acting. And it's something you'll never see on television. It's just 15 minutes. We don't cut away from them. 
I mean, we cut back and forth between their faces. It's not like a right. two shot the whole time, but like you don't cut away from a 15 minute scene. You'll never see that on television. And the fact that they're able to do that and to make it so tense and so riveting, I, w- I mean, honestly, there's great extras on the DVD, but you could buy it for that alone and it would be worth it. Um, and then just when it comes to elementary, like that is a show that I never expected to like, but it's, it's such a unique character procedural that I just really fell in love with it. Um, I love the relationship between Johnny Lee Miller and uh, Lucy Liu on the show. And I love that it's not what you would expect from those relationships. Like, you know, you watch the castles and the Benson and Stablers and, um, you know, even to some degree, well, even obviously to a big degree on Bones, the Booth and Brennans, and like you expect the sexual tension and you expect them to hook up. And this is just a mentor-mentee relationship and a friendship that's developed so interestingly. But it's also, to me, it's a really, it's a, they actually managed to do procedurals in a unique way. And I feel like if you didn't watch it, it's it's quick watching, you know, you could bur- you could bang it out in a day, it's not like it's going to burn your brain like Breaking Bad, but at the same time I think it's really worth watching because it's unique and it's clever and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and and I think they added enough overall story you know, for an overarching story for the season that ended up being pretty interesting as well. Yeah, it ended with a bang, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I de- definitely uh, those were uh, both of them good things to catch up with uh, before uh, the new season start up. Uh, and and coming out soon enough that you have actually have some time. That's always been <laughs> one of my big things about DVD releases when they come out like the week of the right, new season of show. Right. I got, I get the sort of marketing tie-in type of idea, but it seems like you could do that marketing tie-in and put it out earlier too. I don't know. Uh, it's just uh, uh, interesting to me that because right now it seems to me, especially in early seasons of shows, that the way to, you know, like something like granted it's going into the final season with like breaking bad, but, and it less episodes to watch, but given enough time and those episodes were available in lots of different places that tons and tons of people caught up and it doubled its ratings, you know, for the premiere of, of the, and so I think if you're early on in a show or a show that has like a, like a homeland, uh, you know, or, you know, some of the cable shows that have shorter seasons that are easier to catch up with. If you don't have your stuff available with plenty of time for people to catch up, especially with oh, these yeah. shows that have this buzz to them. Uh, I mean, that's some of the things that have happened with, you know, like a, a show like Sons of Anarchy and stuff like that is people have been able to catch up, uh, you know, coming into the, the next seasons and the ratings continue to go up. Uh, I, it just seems like you need to have your your episodes out in as many places as possible, and it actually works to increase the ratings of your show week to week. Uh, when it, you know when they come back for a, a season. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, that'll uh, do it uh, for uh, this episode. Uh, thank you both again for uh, joining me for this uh, super long edition. Of, yeah, have we broken a record? Have we, we broken broke a TV Times three record? I don't know. I think we may have. I think. Yes. I think uh, maybe what? like the first episode we ever recorded because we had like no idea what we were doing or how long it was going to take for different segments that it went really long and we ended up breaking it into like two hour long or so podcasts. And so this has got to oh. be pretty close to that. I don't think we've ever I don't think other than that episode, I don't think we've hit two hours before, but uh, makes it interesting me thinking forward to next 
to the next week's episode where ABC has three hours a night of shows. Yeah, to talk about. good luck with that. They've got way more shows. Uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Amory and Ray will be back with me next week uh, to do the ABC Fall Preview. And uh, as always, you can find the links uh, to the news and DVDs uh, that we talked about as where is where you can find uh, Amy and Danielle online in the show notes at tvtimes3.com slash 192. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about what you think about the the Fox uh, shows coming out. What shows are you most uh, looking forward to? You know, you can uh, always drop us a line at feedback at tvtimes3.com or uh, leave a comment at the show notes. And uh, with that, the opening and closing music is provided by IODA Promonet. The song is TV Party by the Asylum Street Spankers from their Mercurial title put out by Yellow Dog Records. And thank you once again, Amy and Danielle, for uh, for joining me on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for bearing with me on technology issues. Thank you. <laughs> I think it overall, I think it, it worked out pretty well. I think uh, I think we only I think you only missed out on a little bit of talk about the the X Factor. Other than that, I think you were there for. <laughs> we, okay, we, okay, we got you great. back for the for for all the rest of it. We right. sit glued to the TV set all night and every night. Why go into the outside world at all? We got nothing better to do than watch TV and have a couple of beers.